the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ripson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked him great with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 37 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. And today's guest, we have none other than the chief, Craig Stahl. Uh, Craig played in a couple leagues and uh, played with Terry Ryan up in the dub and uh, was mostly known as the chief once he got to Columbus down with the Cottonmouths and had a lot of fun. I think this went on for almost three hours. Um, did this interview a while back, and I apologize. I'm a little bit late getting to uh, getting to the release. I was supposed to release it last week, and uh, well, the way it goes, just work and stuff gets in the way, unfortunately. But um, I think you know, starting after this weekend, it's going to be a little bit more consistent. Now, you know, I was getting to the point where I was releasing one episode every. Uh, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday at that point. Um, but yeah, so we got like a really busy month here. Um, well, it was just my birthday, well, not last week, and the weekend before, and then the following weekend is my aunt's birthday. Um, and we just have a lot of engagements. Even the nephews have a birthday in between there too. So just a lot of engagements to go to. And I always forget and I'll come home and be, Oh yeah, I'm ready to podcast. And of course the, the boss, boss lady, <laughs> the, the CEO of the five providing podcast will tell me otherwise and say, I have prior arrangements. So, um, no, I apologize that I'm getting this out late. Um, but better late than never, like they say. So, uh, again, had a lot of fun. And for those who, if you're just tuning in, um, yeah, I encourage you to go back and check out my previous episodes. I've had episodes with um, plenty of tough guys from all different leagues. Uh, I just had on Chris McAllister, who played in the NHL, and had a lot of fun talking to him, and he fought a lot of tough dudes. And uh, Chris was a big boy. I think what was it six seven is what he stood at. And um, I forget if it's playing weight, but, yeah, big boy. And I've had episodes with um, uh, other NHL guys like Rob Ray, Chris Nyland, uh, guys like that, Andre Waugh, and then if you want to get your minor league fix, I got plenty of those, like Mike Segroy, Jeremy Yablonski, Ken Tasker, Mark McFarlane, John Craighead, uh, Jason Renard, the list goes on, so I encourage you to go back and check out some of the old uh, the old podcast episodes and um, give those a listen. You know, it's been a lot of fun, and officially now the podcast has turned one year old, which is kind of cool, because um, uh, it was this time last year, is right around when I got the mic, uh, um, what was I think I got a laptop for my birthday last year that was what I wanted and so because um, we didn't actually have a computer here so just got me a little Samsung laptop to kind of get the podcast rolling and that was when you know there was still kind of an idea and then I'd 
purchased a microphone and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> so um, if you've been with the podcast since it started, I appreciate you listening and um, staying with it since day one. And again, if this is your first time, again, go back and listen to some episodes. And uh, if you kind of pick and choose some, by all means, you know, that's that's cool, too. It doesn't matter. You don't have to listen to every single episode, although I would appreciate it if you did, of course. But um no, nonetheless, it's cool. I can't believe it's been a year already. It seems like just yesterday, my dumbass was sitting there talking into a microphone for the first time and probably didn't sound the most professional. I know I used to swear a lot, and it was probably because of the nerves a little bit <laughs> starting off. So probably for the first, uh, oh man, I don't know, maybe nine, ten episodes, it's probably just a nothing but a gutter mouth convention, <laughs> especially with that episode with that damn Darren over at Fourth Line Voice. Him and I were both getting after it. I think I was into the whiskey at that point, and he was... Oh, man, I don't know, like 12 beer deep, I think, probably. And I think we went on for about, f- oh, what, not four hours, I think three hours. Either way, <laughs> it was uh, it was rough. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but, um, no, I've had a lot of fun, and it's been cool. And all these guests I've had on and some of the feedback I've gotten, players who listen and people who listen saying they're fans of the show, which is crazy to even think about that, you know, not – I hate using the term fans, but, uh, you know, the fans of the show or listeners, you know, it's cool to see how far you kind of reach. And, uh, while it may not be the biggest podcast, of course, when you kind of get the player's approval, you know, you're doing something right. So, uh, that's the part I really, really enjoy about the podcast and been able to get these guys stories out there and hear some stuff, talk to players. I never thought I'd ever talk to in my life. And, uh, some childhood players like Mark McFarlane, you know, I watched him with the Mallards and I, I still even have, um, Oh man, there was like these, it's not a bobblehead, although there is a McFarland bobblehead out there that I got to get eventually, but, um, no, it's like when, uh, it was that early two thousands, late nineties craze with the beanie babies. Um, and you know, for the a little bit, the older listeners, and I don't think kids, my generation might not understand, but I know my grandmother used to have just shelves for days of beanie babies. And so that was the big thing. And the Mallards had released a bunch of, um, I guess like plush dolls and they were supposed to mimic the beanie babies and they have like little jerseys on with like the met or little shirts. I think it is. Um, but yeah, they give them like nicknames. So I think goulash was like, uh, it was like goulash gator or something like that, or gator goulash, something like that for Gary. Um, Mark McFarlane was Mac. And so he was, uh, they gave him a tiger as his and uh, a bunch of different players had him. So, um, no, it's kind of funny. Like I said, being able to interview guys like that and um, Chris Nyland, who's you know my all-time favorite enforcer, and being able to get him on the show, and then he was kind enough to go and get me on TSN 690 up there in Montreal. That's something I never thought in a million years would happen. You know, some some kid from Florida who just likes hockey fights happen to be on TSN 690, which was awesome. And you know, I can't thank Chris enough and um, extend my gratitude to him. Um, over and over again because it was truly an awesome experience and I actually have that soundbite on here so if you're curious as to you know how that kind of went um, it's back there um, I believe it, it's right after the Chris Nyland episode I think Nyland was episode 28 I believe and uh, you know you go back and it's like I think I put it as episode 28.5 because I didn't want to release it as a full episode because I want to say it's about 30 minutes maybe sounds about right um, but yeah so no it was cool and I've you know, it's been a crazy ride and I've had a lot of fun doing it and don't, don't plan to stop anytime soon. I know I was kind of, you know, on the rocks there a bit, but with the whole, you know, weight thing and trying to go into the military again. So I kind of almost shut it down for a second just to kind of focus on uh, myself for a little bit. But I think I found the happy medium finally, although maybe not quite, maybe, maybe a little bit on the, um, the harder side as far as medium goes. Cause I was, again, I'm sitting here getting this episode out late, but 
no, like I said, I think I found the happy medium and down 30 pounds now at this point. So um, hopefully we just keep going and keep on trucking on the road to 220. Started off at 306. Couldn't believe it. Let myself get to 300 pounds. Unfucking believable. Um, but now we're down to 260 now, uh, or excuse me, 270 or 269, I think is what I weighed in at um, last Friday. Um, and for those, you know, on Twitter who kind of, you know, help help me along with this. Uh, I don't I hate I hate the term weight loss journey because it just. I don't know. It's been used so many times, but, you know, help me with the progress there and keep me accountable. We do weekly weigh-ins, although I don't think I did the last. I, I know I uh, didn't post the picture of it, but the last one we did, um, I said the name or I just wrote it out of what I was. But every Friday with uh, with Keith doing doing weigh-ins, so that's pretty fun. <laughs> and I know a couple other guys are doing it. Uh, Jay out there in the Quad Cities, who, again, was nice enough to let me uh, – get me into a storm game my whole entire family when i went up there in the winter and a couple other guys doing it so yeah it's been it's been cool and um it's funny how the, this podcast and thing works i guess you know like i said with how far you reach but you end up kind of making friends with these guys and um a lot of people that listen or i talk to and interact with on twitter i consider everybody friends uh you know i've it's crazy i've known you know darren john and uh chris uh, and of course, John, that's John over at the Hockey Fight League and then John over in the UK. So both Johns um, feel like, I, you know, I've met him in real life, but never have <laughs> I've known him for like five years now at this point, I think, through uh, through Twitter. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, the friends you make and um, interactions you have, because if it wasn't for that, my ass would not be on Twitter at all, <laughs> to say the least, because God, it is just a sewer for idiots with a voice, unfortunately. Um which kind of speaking of that, you know, I went off a little bit on it on Twitter today, and I know I posted about it in the Enforcer Appreciation Group, but I think it's kind of funny now. You got these, uh, this whole, the the bubble games going on or whatever you want to call it. Um, with the NHL now, you got these games going on and uh, guys fighting for spots, or excuse me, teams fighting for spots, uh, whether it's the round robin or the qualifier. I, I kind of don't really know how it works. Um, I'm not really up to date on how the seeding and everything works. I didn't look into it like that. Cause of course, um, if you know me, you know, I don't watch really too, too much anymore. Um, I actually got the lightning game on now for the first, the first lightning game I've watched in probably months, um, out in the living room. And I think it just went to intermission, but got some chicken getting ready to go on the smoker for the fiance and I for dinner. But yeah, I turned the lightning game to see what's going on. And, um, guess what? It was Yanni. Well, it wasn't no, it wasn't no Probert and Domi, of course. Uh, but Yanni Gord and TJO, she dropped the gloves and yeah, no, not too much came with the fight, honestly, but that brings me to the big point I'm trying to make here, and that is uh, the the ever so mythical, you know, code talk or fighting should be in hockey, this and that. Oh, people say it's staged, and oh, the people don't like fighting in hockey. Well, guess what? The players want it in hockey. The players are still doing it in front of no fans, and that myth of fighting doesn't create momentum or spark the team and get the boys going on the bench. It's funny. If that was such a myth, why are these guys still doing it, even with no fans? There's nobody there to cheer. You just got viewers at home and the boys and uh, the staff on the bench. And guess what? They're still fighting. Shocker. It's almost like players vote every single year to keep fighting in the game. But then there's folks out there who just sit there and say, oh, it's staged. And, oh, the staged fighting is so stupid. And I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but it was in the Vancouver game the other night. Um, it was like two minutes into the game and they fought off one of the face-offs. Oh, but it's staged, right? Yeah, the, the fight means nothing. Well, guess what? It got the benches going, 
And if you listen to that or like listen to the audio there, you could hear both benches going crazy, you know, cheering their guy on during the fight. So if you tell me that a fight doesn't create momentum or spark the team, you're dead wrong. And I don't know how many times, whether it's my podcast, Darren's, Joe's, um, Bobby Longgrass over there at the bucket drop, how many times the guys will sit there and tell you what a fight can do for a team. It's not always just about enforcing. Well, you can't even enforce in today's NHL. So clearly it's not always about enforcing. Um, it's there to spark the team. And I don't know how many times we've said that on Twitter, um, said it on the podcast, shit like that, or got, even NHL players themselves will say it. And people still say it's staged and it's stupid. And it doesn't belong in the game. Oh, fuck off with that bullshit. There's a reason the guys are still fighting even in front of no fans. I wonder why. Um, and it's funny, even after the Oshi fight with Gord, guess what? Capitals came back, scored two goals. They were down two, nothing and Oshi fought. Is there a correlation there? I don't know. I'll leave it up to uh, you guys to guess, I suppose. But yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know how many times you'd always see that and it's staged and fighting doesn't belong in hockey. And well, guess what? It's It does belong in hockey. And again, you're not going to see the days of the McGratton and the Proberts and Bougards. Those are gone. And I know it kind of became a little, I wouldn't say overboard, but kind of crazy in that, that early to mid 2000s where it was kind of like a nuclear weapon to get kind of the big boys like McGratton, Bougard, Big Mac, um, Belak. So guys like that, I know it kind of became a little crazy. And actually, you know, who you have to thank for that is the league, um, whether people admit that or not. And they kind of just dive into it with teams and they kind of don't realize that it was the league that kind of made it that way. Um, it was just the evolution of fighting. And now it's kind of become this, you know, a little taboo now with CTE and uh, was it TBIs and everything like that. So um, and which is great. Absolutely. The information should be out there on CTE and what can happen with concussions and everything like that. But if you're going to tell me that fighting doesn't belong in hockey, when these grown men who can make their own decisions and, you know, Darren said it and I'll say it all the time as well. If you're allowed to join the military at 18, you should be allowed to fight in hockey. Now, whether or not you want to keep it in juniors, that's up for somebody else. And it, it could probably stay without junior or stay out of juniors, I guess now, especially with today's rules, um, no need for it in juniors, I guess. Um, but at the NHL level, I don't see why not. And I remember when Ovechkin had knocked out that, uh, was it, was it Sveshnikov? I, I forget who the fuck it was, but whoever the guy was on the hurricanes, uh, KO'd him. Oh, he's just a kid. You can't do that. Oh, OV should have known better. Well, guess what, dude? You could enlist in the military at 18. You're a fucking man at that point. You're playing in the top-tier professional hockey league in the world. You can get in a fight. It doesn't matter what your age is. If you're going to sit there and challenge or if you want to sit there and drop the gloves, that's a, po a possibility that can happen. But, you know, it's just it's always funny. No matter how many times you see it, whether it's Damian Cox, James Myrtle, uh, Ken Campbell, Oh, this fighting. I remember, well, fuck, what was it? When uh, Leambus came up or um, even just the the guy recently on Ottawa, Scott Sabrin or Sabrin, however you want to pronounce it, um, came up and, oh, Ken Campbell has to go and sue him with an article. And funny enough, Sabrin scores a, um, scores a goal. First game he plays. So fucking stick that in your pipe and smoke it there, Ken Campbell. And people don't realize there's more to hockey, especially the newer age fans. There's more to hockey than just scoring points. I get it. That's the objective of the game. But there's a whole entire game within the game that you can listen to from a bunch of different players, whether it's, like again, my podcast, Darren's, Joe's, Bobby's. doesn't matter. They'll explain it to you and lay the blueprint out of what happens and why fights happen um, and what a player like that can do to a team. So I get it. The enforcer's gone, but you won't get fighting out of hockey. I 
you know, hate to break any hearts out there, but chances are the people who want fighting out of hockey aren't aren't listening to this podcast. That's for sure. Um, but no, it's just funny how that always works, and I always have to laugh at that because uh, again. You'll, you'll say it's staged and it doesn't belong and the boys are out there still doing it with no fans trying to get the guys involved and so there is a reason for it there is a reason that fight happens and you can possibly spark the team with momentum or um get the get the game back on track if you're if you're down a little bit just like oh she just did and it resulted right after um i, I don't even know how much time was left in the game but um or excuse me in the period but, yep, sure enough, Caps come back, score two goals. So uh, if you don't think that kind of woke up the Capitals, I don't know what you're smoking, but um, need to lay off the stuff. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I've rambled on long enough. We'll get the quick plug-ins in. And as I've mentioned before, their previous names, but there's other podcasts out there. There's other podcasts besides, you know, Spitting Chicklets, 31 Thoughts, Tim and Sid, whatever it is. Uh, there's other podcasts out there and they're awesome to listen to. And of course that's Darren over at the fourth line voice, the original enforcer podcast. He just released his from the vault episode with, I think it was Chris Graff. Um, and for those who don't know who Chris Graff is, just look up Chris Graff versus Dano Chara. Yeah. The big bad Chara gets buckled by Graff in the WHL and it's awesome to see. And Graff will confirm it in that interview that he, he, he connected with it and Chara went down, um, and then you have Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, and he just released an episode, and I can't remember for the life of me who it is, and I apologize. He just released it last night, but uh, Joe's always coming out with awesome content. He just had the Colonel Brian Curran on, so that was awesome to see. And um, you got Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop podcast. So, oh, I'm looking it up here. Um, yay, Brian Curran and Yannick Turcote. Excuse me, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize. Um, but that's who Joe just had on. And then Bobby just had, um, again, sorry, all these guys, with these fucking terrible names. I'm sitting here trying to pronounce it. Yeah, I don't even have, I feel like Ricky need to get my grade 11, I guess. Um, but no, Bobby just had on, um, excuse me, Alan Sirwa, I believe it's pronounced. And he's the ECHL Hall of Famer. And he kind of goes over the top 10 ECHL tough guys of all time, which is pretty cool. Um, and also, Darren, if, you, if, if you've had... Um, or excuse me, with Darren's podcast. If you've already listened to the Graph episode and you think you're caught up, we'll go back because he had an episode with John Searson, and that's a good buddy of ours over in the UK, and he goes in-depth about some UK fighters and, uh, you know, kind of some fights he saw and what it's like playing, not what it's like playing over there, but um, how the game is a little bit different over there and stuff like that, and that was a lot of fun to listen to, and I've had John on the podcast, um, had him on for the LNH special. We have a standalone episode I think he's been on twice, maybe three times. I can't remember because typically when him and I are <laughs> shooting the shit, we're, we're half in the bag at that point. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so go check out those other podcasts. They're awesome. And, you know, again, it's not always about the big juggernauts out there. I get it. They're always going to get the guests like Cam and Strick, Spit and Chicklets and everything. But yeah, you won't be disappointed. Go listen to these other guys and give us a chance. We're, we're doing decent stuff out here, I think. Um, they can get the most in-depth interviews with us as far as, you know, asking the players about fighting. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, real quick before we go, I got to get the plugins, of course, for the uh, you know, social media. So you can find me at Five for Fighting Podcast on Facebook. You just look up Five for Fighting Podcast and it's a page. Give it a like, a follow, and you will be up to date on everything I post. Every, anytime I release an episode or something, I'll post it in there. Um on Twitter, it's at the number five and then four fighting pod. Uh, I've been tweeting a little bit lately. I've been, I've been again, I've been so busy. I've been 
slacking a little bit over on the Twitter department and uh, kind of posting everywhere, but I kind of started picking it back up here in the recent days. So, um, but yeah, at the number five and then four fighting pod, go give that a follow. And I, I, I tweet, I probably, I'm probably on there more than any platform, I guess, as far as tweeting throughout the day and shit like that, or interacting with some, uh, some buddies or fellow fight fans and stuff like that. Um, and then for Facebook, or excuse me, not Facebook, Instagram, just search spelled out regularly. Just look up at and then five for fighting pod. And I post a lot of videos there as well. And um, just posted like Kevin Westgarth with that mean two piece combo he had. Um, I can't, I, again, with the names, not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Swez or Sweez maybe. Um, but gave him a quick jab with the left and then came in with an uppercut and just devastating. Oof, in the AHL. Um, so you can go check out some videos I have on there. And if you want to get your daily fix of enforcer stuff, uh, there's two places to go for starters, the enforcer appreciation group out there on Facebook. And that's a group I created, uh, back in, I think May of last year. And it's kind of grown quite a bit. We got over 11,000 members in there and it's kind of a place to go to talk about fights, general discussions of it's got the way I kind of see it is like an old message board, I guess, where you can kind of discuss general topics, post fights, talk about fighters, um, this and that. We have a lot of former players in there. Uh, list goes on Jeff Kugel, John Morasti, Dean Mayrand. Um, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I can't tell you how many former players we have in there. And a lot of them, you know, might have just stopped playing after junior, but they know what they're talking about. So it's awesome to kind of get some insight from the guys like that and see what they have to say since they actually lived the role or lived through the game at that time when it was, um, you know, there was enforcers and fights more prevalent. Um, and, of course, the last place to go check out fights, if you'd like, is at Fourth Line Voice. Shocker. He's got a great YouTube channel, and he's post. I think he's got over 2,500 videos at this point. So any, anything you're looking for, chances are it'll be there. Um, and it's on YouTube. Just look up Fourth Line Voice. Uh, I think all one word, I think, is how it's spelled on his channel. So just type that in the search bar. I won't be disappointed. Fall down the rabbit hole, grab some beers, and just have at her because you'll be there for hours on his channel. So definitely go check that out. Um, and last but not least, if you could do me a favor, rate and review the show. Um, it really helps the show grow a little bit and kind of get noticed as far as when people type in like hockey podcast or something like that in iTunes, Spotify, whatever the case is. Um, yeah, type that in and you'll be able to, uh, you know, find the hockey podcast or the fighting podcast like myself or fourth line voice a little bit sooner than, you know, having to scroll a bit, uh, the more, so the more stars and, uh, reviews it gets, the better chances it are, it, excuse me, the better chances it is of finding the podcast. So, um, really helps out us, um, you know, this little podcast, but, uh, you don't even have to leave a comment. Just leave the stars. If you want to leave a comment, that's awesome. Uh, I've had one star. I've had five stars. <laughs> so uh, I've had it all. But anyways, that's enough yapping. I've gone on for almost 20 minutes here. Ooh, that's a long intro. Normally, I always try to keep it at about 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, I had to kind of catch everybody up, I guess, as to why I'm delayed and been a lazy bastard these past couple, uh, couple of days here not getting this episode out. But anyways, we will end it here. And without further ado, we will pass it over to the chief, Craig Stahl. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoy. Here is Craig Stahl. This should be good. This should be very good. Here we are tonight on the Fiverr Fighting Podcast. We have a man who managed to rack up 2,157 penalty minutes while playing in the WHL, ECHL, the Western Pro League, the Central League, and the Southern Professional Hockey League. And that is none other than one Mr. Craig the Chief Stahl. Craig, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, not too bad, buddy. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, 
Actually, thanks for your service too, by the way. You know, oh, you appreciate, fucker. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, hey, man, I got I got to <laughs> give props where they do, man. I really appreciate it. You got bigger, uh, uh, bigger nuts than all of us, so uh, thank you, man. Oh, I don't know about all that, but um, <laughs> I appreciate it. And, of course, you know, talking before we got going here about uh, – well, both of our jobs are actually similar. Um, but, you know, before I dive into guys' careers, I, I like to ask, you know, what are you doing after hockey? You know, just, you know – Check it. How what what is Craig Stahl up to after the game of hockey? Damn, a long time ago, y'all. You know, I got a wife and a, a couple of beautiful kids, and uh, been married. You know, for I guess we're going on. Well, we've been together for about twenty years now. She put up with me, but I, after I got out of the game, I got on. I finished in Columbus there, um, and got on the fire department. Did that for about. Uh, nine years eight years um it was an awesome experience you know i got to uh my boss was tom wilson he was my driving sergeant and i was the the lunch bucket brigade in the back um (laughs) you know a great chapter in my life and uh me and my wife opened up a gym up there we had a boxing gym boxing crossfit like uh, olympic lifting gym there and then you know, her family, um, we that's why we went to Columbus, actually, funny enough, is because that's where I originally met her, and I uh, was playing in New Mexico, and, and she was uh, pregnant with her first son, Jagger, and she wanted to be closer to her parents, so we moved um, Jerome. That's when that SBHL, I think, actually just started, and Jerome was the old stay-out-of-my-yard Bouchard um who i played with was uh he was like uh general manager there and and he gave me a call and uh we moved back and i was only actually gonna play for a couple more years actually the plan was just one year just to have the baby and then i was gonna go back home and and um you know just get on with it but i ended up playing a little bit longer and and then after, uh, um, I don't know, my wife actually got a job after her father had passed away and, and they were living, they moved to Tennessee. So we really had, we had a family there. Like, I absolutely loved Columbus. I, I hold it close to my heart. Um, it's a great city. It's a, it's a good hockey town. Um, and the owners were second to none, you know, Shelby and Wanda. They're like, still talk my wife still talks to her every day well every other day pretty much you know we stay close just really down home they treated that that those owners treated the um, team like a family which was a little uh you know it's a it's different than it is out there you know the way they treated us but she got a job offer down here in tampa and we you know I had nothing. I just said, well, well, I was a fireman, but I said, yeah, let's go do it. We moved down here, and now I'm actually um, just swinging a hammer and doing home inspections and actually fell in to help, uh, well, help coach University of Tampa. So I ended up being getting back on the bus there. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, yeah, coaching, um, helping um, – Steve Pachera, Coach Cooch, and Lance Tackett, those guys put on, they actually uh, have done a great job down here. You know, you think 
Division Three. You know, these kids are all from up north, and and the game has changed so much. Like they were, I walked in, you know, to help out, and I thought, you know, usually guys chirping, and yeah, they still do that, but the most respectful kid, like. <laughs> Just a great group of guys. I was like, geez, this is a different a different uh, scenario. But it's fun, man. It keeps me in the game. And, and uh, you know, happy to be here, actually. I love it. I love it. Can't complain at all. Right on, man. Yeah, beautiful, sunny Tampa. Well, although it's been a little bit rainy here the past uh, past few days. But, um, yeah, it's nice down here, that's for sure. And, you know, real quick, man, what's the, what's the name of your company that you actually run? Because I love the name of it. I think people will get a kick out of it. <laughs> it's cross check, cross check home inspection. Cross I check home had, inspection. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I actually had uh, it. It came from Columbus. I wanted like maybe something different or something, but it was just too easy. And and um, you know, uh, we just decided, well, just stick with cross check because in Columbus or in Georgia, when I was there, it was. I had uh, me and Ryan Rutz, who's a goal scorer. And he's from out, out, out west, uh, but we call it cross-check, uh, you know, construction. So kind of the same thing, man. It's just uh, just keep it rocking and rolling. People think checking for square, but they, they don't really know that, you know, cross-check. <laughs> the hockey reference, yeah. Can mean a couple other. Yeah, you got to keep it in there, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me of, like, uh, when I interviewed Curtis Swanson, man, and he's got his own company, and, of course, he fought – a stupid amount of times out in the LNH and his uh his company's name is Knuckle Busters for like pipe fitting and shit so that's fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, I gotta love keep, gotta that. keep it around Actually, the uh, around the hockey what? world some way. God, you copyright that? <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you'll be like, hey, it's not cross check. Yeah. No, it's Knuckle Busters. Yeah, no. Knuckle Busters <laughs> home inspections, man. Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, probably. Yeah, no, probably. No, no, awesome. Anybody played in that league, you know, hot to him. Oh, I it was actually after, I don't know when, um, you know, it's going back, I don't know, 20s or before my early, well, about somewhere in between 20 and 25, I got a, I got a call and that was when it was fresh, you know, that like you talk to a lot of those, um, these guys will say like Vandy and these other guys that talk, there was no cell phones and stuff so the, the the home phones were ringing and and i was getting calls to laval wanted me to come out there and they were just gonna give cash just to come see and you know i still thought i still thought i, I might have a shot somewhere so i didn't want to but man it was tempting and then when i seen it when i started you know finding out about it and the guys that were going there and i'm like Oh, I probably wouldn't have a head left if I went up there. And I sure as hell wasn't going up to score goals unless they were looking for a good guy to dump the puck and that's about it. But no, it was uh, guys that were up there during that time. I don't even know how it is anymore, if it's the same way. Or, oh, it's, it's you know, a lot really different now. It a lot. Yeah, I watch it still. Oh, is it? Yeah, I watch it still. It is. There's still like the fights and the, the that aspect of it and kind of the big square offs and everything, but it's just not the same. They don't. It's not. Um, they they I think try to take the league a little bit too serious to try to get away from that past a little bit with new. I think because they had like a new president of the league or new owners. I could be wrong. Um, I'm sure any of my French listeners are gonna fucking crucify me because I know I got a couple out there that listen to the LNH. But um, 
Uh, yeah, they like kind of try to make it too serious, and they like made a big import rule so they couldn't have a lot of uh, I don't know, like tough guys coming in again. Well, not only that, man, it's like the the pipeline's cut off anyway because once it's off at junior, and the the Western League still doesn't have a fight limit, but both other leagues, the Q and the uh, the O, both have their own you know fight limits and all that bullshit, and nobody's kind of bred for it anymore. So, uh, the longer the league goes, the less fighting you've seen it. No way. There's a there's no fight limit in the Western League. I don't believe so. I, for, I still don't think there is. There, I know there's. I think there's been talks about it, but I still think the Western League is the only one that doesn't have a fight limit. I can't. Re- you know what? I, I can't remember. I, do you know what I do remember though? Is going up to the uh, when all the guys like my first. It was my first or second year in the Western League. Um, actually. But I, 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 they were all, you know, going up. We had like Blancos, Boucher, well, not Boucher, but you had Loaf and all these other guys that were highly ranked, and they were, they were pissed because their stats didn't measure up to. I don't know, you know, you can correct me uh, about the Ontario League or the. Um, I knew for sure the Quebec League counted tens. In the Western League, those there was no tens. So yeah, you you know that five ten in a game, you you just were credited five minutes. So you you might have two hundred minutes, but if you added the tens, if they did add the tens, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You would have like four hundred minutes. So a lot of those guys that would have over two hundred minutes in the in the Western League. Those guys were doing work. Oh yeah, that's why like, I, I was. Uh, I always like to think about Toporowski, how he had five hundred and five in a season, and that's without any tens. Like I couldn't imagine how much it would be. I think. I think me and uh, Fourth Line Voice talked about it one time, and it, I think it comes out to like seven hundred and something if you include like ten minutes, which is just like ridiculous. How, it's just amazing to me that like those are beasts, man. They're dying breed, but it's it's. My hat goes off to those guys because those guys, that that's work, you know. That's that's fighting through a lot of uh, mental and physical, you know, stuff. Go, it gets involved with that, so you know, it's 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 actually pretty amazing. Absolutely, and you know, speaking of the WHL, we'll fucking hop into your career here, man. Um, so, well, unfortunately, for whatever reason, my computer does not like to pull up your ninety four ninety five season. It'll well, probably crash is too old, man. It's too old, bro. <laughs> Maybe that's what it you gotta is. Get some young, you got to get some, some of these younger boys on here. You can follow, uh, you know, because there's, there's an old paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. But uh, so, you know, I guess we'll start it off from 95 to 96, man. Um, and you had a couple of teammates on that team that, that I got to ask you about. And one, of course, has become, uh, you know, kind of has his own little cult following now after his appearance on Spit and Chicklets. And he's got his own podcast over on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that's, of course, Terry Ryan. Um, you had him as a teammate and the stories with him are endless. And he just has stories for days and uh, the shit he says, like on spit chicklets and whatever, just absolute beauty. What was it like playing with Terry Ryan, man? Man, unbelievable. I can see, you know, why he's got a got a book, and I, I believe he's doing another one, and he's acting and doing, you know, he's into everything. Um, he was just like, 
he was the light, you know, he kept, you never knew what he was going to do. It was unpredictable, like, um, unbelievable guy. So he, he actually signed, you know, uh, and, and again, you, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I don't, I don't know how it works anymore. I've been out of the game for so long, but you used to get like, uh, you know, there was card deals and there was, um, guys were making a hundred grand to sign, to sign cards and, and, or more, you know, or, and you're giving this to like 17 year old kids. And, and, and then he signed, uh, he was drafted. I think it was, I don't know. It was third overall maybe, or, or maybe I can't remember. It, it, he was drafted really high though. Oh, but I, he, he had a, I know, I know he, for a fact it was the first round. I'm trying to think of when it was. Um, yeah, he had a signing bullet, but anyways, he got, oh, he went he number, got number eight signing. overall. That's what it was. Okay, Lankow was third then. Lankow would have went third. I, I remember that. But what happened, would, you know, when guys would sign, they go out, and, you know, every time you pull in in the Western League, you're on the bus, you live on the bus, whatever. Um, but guys go out, and they, they get themselves a nice car, and then, you know, at the time or whatever, whatever the hot car is at the time, guys driving it. Well, Noof, <laughs> he drove a fucking, like, uh, Reliant K car, pretty much. Okay, like uh, like a like a Dodge family car. <laughs> so right. when he signed, when he signed, I thought, oh, you know, he ended up near the end of the season or at the end of the year that year or the next year. I can't remember when he signed. He ended up buying the uh, Camaro, but he called me because we, me, Lanks. There, Damon Lanko, you know Boucher, Tom Zavuk, Dorian Anik was my roommate. We, we but but me, Bush, and uh, Lanks and Noof with, with a couple other guys, the Hurleys, Komarniski. We kind of just kind of hung out. We were close together in our uh, with our billets. But he called me up one night. <laughs> he said, hey, you want to paint my car? Because we just used to go cruising around. I'm like, paint your car. <clears throat> what do you mean? said let's paint it up so, so okay well come over we have a garage bought pink spray paint no we we sprayed it hubcap like pink racing stripes down the middle no this guy doesn't go out and buy like a a porsche or, 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 or a, a hummer or something whatever's cool back then he he just spray paints his car and he literally drove that thing like everywhere this is just <laughs> the type of guy he is man but you know what? On the ice, too, you know, him and Lankow together, um, I mean, we had some freaking great players. I can't I can't remember who played ice on that line, but him and Lankow together were awesome. And Newf, he, 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 he was a big kid. He could skate, but fight anybody, too. He never um, backed down from anybody just to – you know, it doesn't cease to amaze me like what he's doing, what he's doing. So, you know, kudos to him because he's doing a great job. But yeah, an unbelievable, an unbelievable guy to play with. Learned a lot from him. Absolutely. Um, you know, no, no worries. Um, and you're talking about some other teammates that you had. Um, and I know this guy; he's been on Fourth Line Voice, and I'm sure uh, you know Darrell will release that 
uh, from the Vault series shortly with him, but he's also the brother of Rocky Thompson. But you had Jeremy Thompson on the team and even <laughs> follows the account on Twitter, so hopefully he's listening. But what was it like having Thompson out there with you? Old Tomer, he was a 20 year old when he came. Um, I, don't, I can't remember how old I think it was 17 or something. But, or maybe, I don't know. Anyways, here's a funny story about Tom, Tomer. Okay, he's five. He's five nine, maybe, or five ten. Well, he'll probably say six feet, but we're both we're <laughs> both close. To hockey that. DB's got I him at five. Him hockey DB's got him at five eleven. So okay, well then edit that. He probably <laughs> is. Well then, I'm six. I'm six two. No, I'm joking. We're probably the same size, honestly. But all three of them. There, there's three of them. You know, like I, I was in his wedding party. Um, there's the, all three of them were just straight up manglers, but like not afraid. And I seen him like he would go up against, uh, uh, Kelowna had a, a really ridiculous tough team in the Western League at the time. Um, Purington and then they had Parker and Flores oh. and all these guys, right? Now, so every time <laughs> in Kelowna, he, excuse me, didn't have a huge, uh, I guess they have a, a new barn now, like a really nice arena. Back in the day, that was where the old BCJ uh, team played. So they were right on top of you. The corners were square. There was nowhere to run. And they had good players, and they had a, a really tough uh, tough team. But Tomer, Tomer would fight. Me and him played on the same line, Boyd Olsen at center, and Boyd was a uh, – uh, he would mix it up and and stir it up, and we'd come in, and then pretty soon they started getting that. They did a write up in the paper about us saying uh, Indian. They started calling us the Indian Outlaws. <laughs> right uh, on. You know how many? I can't listen to Tim McGraw Indian Outlaw anymore. I've never. Well, you know what? It's funny. I, I really enjoyed Tim McGraw. Well, Tim McGraw's older stuff, but I've never liked that song. I don't know why. I just never fucking have. Oh, try hearing it thirty-five times. Because like, <laughs> anytime me and Tom are getting the dust up, like uh, on the ice, you know, or you know, dun dun dun. Yeah, I was about to say like, that. Come, can we play? <laughs> yeah, can we play something different, man? Like, geez, start scrapping. But with it, it, Tom, you know, he was a classic and. uh you know, if you ever you got to get him on, um, he's doing great as well. Uh, the whole the whole family is, which is is awesome because it's an unbelievable family. But he, uh, we went. Me and Dan and Lankow went to his uh, wedding. I was in the party wedding party. So there's me. You know, there's a bunch of hockey guys there at the at the wedding, and you know, you clink the glass on the. You know, and they get up, and they're supposed to bride and the groom stand up and kiss or whatever. You know, oh, and you yeah, clink yeah. glass. I don't know if they still do that. Or not. Oh, well, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't gotten married yet know. because of You'll the fucking coronavirus. Okay. Yeah, fucking well, coronavirus ever, delayed if, my if, shit over if, here. <laughs> if, yeah, if this shit gets over with and uh, you invite, you know, because we're in the same town, me and uh, Willie to your uh, wedding, we'll clink the glass. But check down and cause, <laughs> check your shoe. Because what I did is, you know, I started clicking the glass. They get up, stand up, and kiss, but we actually shoe checked them. So we had, we had a blast. At oh, wedding, shit. Man. And he's still with them. <laughs> he's got a wicked family. Yeah, yeah, he's doing really well. No, he was a, 
he was a, a tough guy, lefty too. Well, he could throw both, but they're boxers too, right? So, you know, six in one, half a dozen in the other. Yeah, fucking Thompson's a tough dude, and of course his brother Rocky. I really hope, I really, really hope, and I, fuck, I think I was just talking about this last episode uh, with Chris McAllister, but I really hope Rocky makes it to the next level at the NHL because he's worked his ass off out in the AHL, and you know, I th- would love to see him get up to the NHL level and kind of like Baruby kind of prove everybody wrong and all the fucking critics and the, the quote unquote experts out there that think they fucking know the game. But, um, well, you know what the guy like that, and I'm not just biased, like I'm, you know, you, you play hockey on a team and you could have 20, 30 players on a team. It's a family, right? So, you're going to have an asshole on your team. You're not meant to get along. If, if you know, everybody doesn't get along, but it's, it's all like, Hey, you're my brother. And, and you go to the wall for your brother. Just no different than military, right? Like right. If you're in a different unit. You're in a different unit. Well, when, when the chips fall, you know, who's going to have your back? The boys are going to have your back anyway. So these guys that are coming up, and that's why I believe, I mean, not in every sense of the word, but a lot of coaches, good coaches, yeah, look at the the big chief, you know, Berube and, and, and Thompson, like Rocky. These guys have been through the sewer, and they came up and, you know, know every aspect of it and know what it takes to, to get there. So I, I believe those guys sometimes make – make the best coaches some of them go the other way but i mean for the most part a guy like rocky yeah it's a guy i'd want to coach me because it's no no bullshit you know there's no bullshit there it's cut and dry there's no gray area that's the problem now there's too much gray area it's not black and white well here don't get your feelings hurt just pick up your lip and let's rock and roll you're either in or in the way and then then that's what it takes to win a lot of times because uh, and I believe those guys can figure it out. So I hope he does too, man. And um, all the best to him. He deserves it. So, fuck yeah. Whether it happens or not, you know, it's about about being at the right place at the right time too, right? So, um, but I'm sure he'll succeed. Absolutely. Yeah, I really, really hope he does because I remember it was uh, James Myrtle. I think a couple years back when Rocky got the head coaching job, just. Oh well, I saw him play, and he's not gonna make much of a head coach, or blah blah blah. Well, and he's taking him to the fucking Calder Cup. So fuck you, James Myrtle. <laughs> Honestly, there you go. And that's um, what I'm gonna say. Yeah, we were supposed. Well, that's what I was gonna say to you because we were supposed to go to the national championship this year. You know, Spartans, uh, University of Tampa. We're supposed to go there, and then COVID, you know, shut the door, shut the door on it. It was supposed to be out in Texas. Then I was thinking, like, come on, boys, this is this is the chance. So maybe, uh, maybe next year. I don't know. We'll yeah. have to see. There you go. But um, those, those guys can uh, freaking play too. It's pretty awesome, man. You know what's funny? It's actually, until you awesome. mentioned it, I never knew that University of Tampa had a hockey team. Actually, I knew USF Dude, did. You got neither did that. Yeah, and you know the funny thing how I got into that is talk about hockey. This is what I love about about the game is it's okay. Yeah. And you can fuck you each other and you're on the ice and you fucking hate each other. And 
this guy might have cut you one time. Okay, but when the dust settles and you see each other 10 years later, you, it's like you never you never stop talking. It's like you don't have to talk to him every day. It's just, it's just a brotherhood, right? So it's a really small world, the hockey world. And, and I love it for that. But when I was down, when I first moved down here, my buddy Lukowicz, he was in actually my wedding parties from Cranbrook. Um, he played here in Tampa, won a Stanley Cup here. Yes, he did. And uh, yeah, yeah. And and I came. He was telling me about about Tampa. And when I came down here, I didn't think there would be much hockey because as soon as I got done playing hockey, you know, you're all banged up. I had hip surgery. My hip still isn't right. You know, your face, your hands are kind of buggered up. I cut my finger off, so it was really shitty. Anyway, um, when I came down here, I I got I went out on a, a skate. They, there was a, I can't even remember. Oh, actually, I think it was a guy of uh, Old Oldsmar. Oldsmar, that's where I play. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a league out there, Joe. He. Um, I can't remember his last name. He owns a, a sports store down here. Um, and he got me into playing through another guy, uh, Jimmy, who who he kind of runs. Um, so in that men's league, you know, there's one guy that kind of puts the team together or runs the team or whatever. Yep. And that's how I got in the mix of skating. And I thought, oh, my God, this is awesome. Honestly, it was like a breath of fresh air. That's therapy for me. You know, if I can skate once a week, it's therapy for me because there's no penalty box. There's, It's not legal to, to punch a guy in the head or not. You know, it's not legal to do any of that stuff. So to get out there on, and skate, even if, you know, it's, you're shitty or you just get out there to to feel that it's 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 therapy to me but i i got branched through and met a guy arma arma has a and uh maddie they have a wicked uh sunday skate and i got in touch with them and i was skating one day and and i seen this guy come off the wing it's a fucking crazy story and i'm looking because i don't know my ass from a hole in the ground down here right i don't know anybody so i'm just a the new guy and i'm like i know that guy and that guy double take looks at me and he says stolly and i'm like dunner it was my old coach from new mexico this guy <laughs> played like professional forever he played in the olympics and he coached me in uh new mexico and i was like Oh my God, darn! What are you doing here? It turned out he just had moved here like a year prior, and he put me in touch with Steve Kuchera. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I'm coaching. I'm helping coach uh, Tampa. You want to?" I said, "Man, that would be awesome." So the three of us went for coffee, and it's just such a small world. And when I met, I didn't know Steve at the time. And he's a professor there. He's been a professor there for like uh, pushing 30 years. The guy is like, my son is almost like my son can carry on a conversation. But he's, he's he's genius smart. You know, one of those guys, are, are, he's really smart, right? 
But I actually ended up, when I first came here, I skated uh, against him in a pickup game. So it's just wild how it happened. And then, you know, a month later, Dunner got busy with work and I'm on the bus. But I, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'd go to the wall for those boys. Even that was an adjustment, though, because I got, um, we were playing. You got to come, man, because they, they don't even charge, I don't think. No shit. No, and and you know what? It's at Clearwater, and the games get in Clearwater. Like all those boys are up at uh, well, what, Clearwater Ice Arena in the there really there's no stands hardly. So they all stand around the glass, and there's actually they get like for do you know what I'm talking about? So there's the old rink in Clearwater. I'm trying. Well, to, I don't know if I've been to the old rink. rink, but isn't there one? Because the, the one I'm thinking of is in like the mall at Clearwater or whatever. No, maybe it's not. Yeah, it is Clearwater. Maybe there's only one. Um, it's off of uh, road, but there's two rinks in there. That's where uh, you talking about the Brandon Willie. Ice Sports Forum. That one? No, 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 no. Okay, no. you know? Do you remember? Um, Fuck, I got to look this well, up on my damn, he, goddamn phone now. Yeah, it's Willie, bother me. you know where Willie, because Willie played in Lakeland, and they actually had, the, he said they skated, like, in that rink. And Tampa, the Lightning, practiced there. It was a, it's off, God. I'm going to get in shit. You know, well, the boys will give it to me for not knowing where. It's on Olmerton Road. It's oh, on Overton. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Is that not? It's not Clearwater, is it? No, Where it's it? it's fuck. It says it's on Clearwater. Hold on, let me see here. <laughs> fuck it. As we're sitting here mid podcast, just looking shit up. <laughs> fuck I it. know. It's That's gonna right. well, it's gonna bother it's me. It all blends together, yeah. man. It all blends it together. Um, it's Clearwater on Icot Boulevard, Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. what you. Okay. Fuck, I've never been there. I've only known about the one, like the little the fucking one where you could do like the, uh, I don't know, like free skate or whatever out in the mall, you know, to kill time. That's the only one no, I know about it. No, bro, I don't think I've ever been to that one. No, it, it's awesome, man. But the first game I coached, well, I was, you know, Steve, he runs the show. Lance is the, like, I call him the Wizard of Oz because he recruits these guys. And these guys come in and I'm like, where the hell? Like trying to talk, and that's what I got in contact with Jerome because they have another league that opened up, Federal League, and or some kind of league. And he called me, and he's like, "Hey," I said, "What are you calling me for? You're not calling me to see how I'm doing. You, you know, I'm. You want to see if any of these boys want to want to want to play? So I got some players for you, but they're too smart for you, man." You know, and he laughed, but what I coached one. The it was my first serve first two weeks and i'm old school well not i don't believe it's old school i just believe it's you know that's just how it should be how it should be but, but it's old school I, now. <laughs> yeah yeah which is it's, it's weird for me to say but that's just how you you know the veterans that you play with teach you not only about hockey but the veterans that I, that 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 i played with it, it it translates to life but this we played it i can't remember the team it was and and guys just taking liberties on each other and i'm like 
fuck, I've been out of the game for a while. I don't even know the rules. Like, I'd be like, is that fucking two-line pass? Or, and no, two-line uh, pass. Is that <laughs> yeah, no, no, what the, I'm like, really? Oh, okay. But I know the, the like, the so-called, you know, the, the respecting or the code or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Fucking accountability, pretty much, honestly, is what it is. Exactly, man. Well, one of, one of our guys, uh, and... You know, I've known these guys probably at this time. I mean, this was my first season, but I didn't know anything about it. And um, he got buried from behind, like, and he got up and he tried to get up and give a guy a shot back, and it kind of caused a little kerfuffle. But I seen him coming to the bench, and I, and I knew his shoulder was out. And I seen the look in his face of like, and I just turned red. And you know, there's a switch, and and a lot of these guys can vouch. But I had a few choice words and got kicked out of the game. And then <laughs> I'm like, oh no, like this is embarrassing because. But after I thought, okay, I'll make it right, and I went up to try and shake the refs' hands and. He was talking about, you know, you know, lucky don't press charges, blah blah, blah threatening, blah, blah. and I and I said, hey man, I'll wait for you in the in the locker room. It wouldn't be the first time, or I'll be in the parking lot type deal, you know. And I was just trying to shake his hand, like, hey, the game's over, because it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're out there, you're doing your job, you do what it takes to win at, at all costs. But when when it's over, it's it's fucking over, and and let's you know we did our job and, and let's move on with it. But I ended up getting suspended for three games, and then, needless to say, I actually uh, know the ref now, and actually is a <laughs> he's a great guy. He just didn't know me and didn't know we both you know kind of weren't on the same page of where he was coming from. And uh, it's all it's all great now, but needless to say, I can't talk to the, the you know Steve uh, Cooch is like uh, the he's the founder pretty much of it and did an unbelievable job. If you can him and Lance, if you can like do a little research on that, it's it's pretty it's pretty um, uh, admiring what what those guys did you know, to, to get this program where it's at. But Steve came up to me and goes, hey, yeah, you can't, you can't. I couldn't even be around the rink. And I had to do uh, a class online. And if I did oh it again, God. I wasn't, yes, I wasn't allowed to coach in the ACHA. I would be banned. And I'm like, you know what? God, it's changed. The game has changed. But I respect it. Six in one, half a dozen in the other. That was back then. And I'm just like a dinosaur. It's sad to say, but I've been out of the game. So you come back in and, and it's, I'm telling you, man, it's tough to stand, stand behind the bench and you know what you want to do, but you can't, you can't do it, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a tough pill to swallow, but I love it. You know, I would do anything for the kids. Those guys, they're awesome. Um, um, you know, blessed for the opportunity. It's been fun, man. It's been fun. 
Right, you know, it's you know, coming from a Blair or Blair. Fuck, excuse me. Maybe I already hit the whiskey too hard over here. No, um, <laughs> shit, you buddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Firewater, man, that's good. <laughs> um, but no, coming from a player that was bred like yourself, you know, fighting and everything like that, being behind the bench and you're seeing these liberties being taken on your team and kind of nothing you could do about it, especially at the collegiate level, because every time I've interviewed a guy that played college hockey or anything like that. They'll say the stick work out there because you got the full cages on and everything is just through the roof compared to other leagues. So you see all this going on and you can't even do anything about it and your players kind of can't. It's got to be so frustrating because, of course, and to, you know, make it sound old. Oh, back in my day. Well, you know, back in your day, someone wanted to stick you in the face. Well, guess what? You're going to punch him in the fucking mouth and make him think twice about exactly. doing it again. And guys, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much. You know, I stay out of the bullshit, but, like, that's the way it's going, which is kind of, you know, unless you stop it, it's, it, liberties, it's like okay to take a, a liberty. I mean, I'm not speaking for, this is just basically my opinion, but, like, it's okay to take a liberty. Well, you know what? If I'm playing with my my last year uh, junior I played with Scott Gomez there. He was uh, a friend of mine too. He he was a beauty, but or Lankow or Ryan or I mean, you can go down the list. Too. Trust these. It was a very pivotal um, time in my life, really. But um, if anything happened to a, a, well, I was on the bottom, right? I was lunch bucket brigade. So if I wanted to play, I mean, no bullshit, man. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, 2,000 minutes is a drop in the hat to some of these guys that, 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 that come on your podcast or these other podcasts. But every one of those ones I played, and anybody that knows me can vouch for it, whether they love or hate me, is I was an honest, never cheap shot. I mean, maybe I can count. Uh, on the cheap shots that I regret and, and a couple of things, you know, there's two things I regret about that weren't, weren't deserved. They're not my style. But other than that, like I played it on a game. I was quiet. I didn't chirp. I didn't chirp because I fucking wasn't smart enough to chirp back and I'd always get stumped. So a guy would be like, it could come up like, it could be wagon burner or blah, 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 or any kind of freaking. And I would, in my head, would be like, God, it's a good one. What do I say back? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, like oh the, fuck you. Let's go. Yeah, like the Doug, Doug Glad over there. I'll light your ass back up on fire then. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get my and then I get my my fucking eyes pumped, my eyes dotted, and then I'm like, geez, that backfired. But you know what? <laughs> if you show up, that's why I don't believe like um, enforcer, guardian, um, it's family, right? I, I, I don't think you, you, there's, you know, you have heavyweights, uh, uh, lightweight, lightweight. No, I, I love, I love the lightweights to the heavyweights because what they do, you know, like they stand up. You don't know what happens. Maybe the night before a game, maybe 
two nights before or something, guys go out, team party, two guys get in the scrap or, you know, that's the way it was. They're brothers. What, what is it? You live with 23 brothers. What are you going to do? You're going to fight. Like, that's the way, that's the way the cookie crumbles, but the, you're, you're brothers, right? So you get on the ice and these guys, they could be so pissed off at each other. But on the ice, you know, you put that jersey on and something happens to your brother, it's time to pay the piper. Whether whether I got my ass kicked or not, I knew if you got a good team, you knew that you would have a couple guys that would, uh, you know, come in and, and, and lay, down the, lay down the law or have your back or, or something. And, and I can't remember on your podcast who, who said it best, but like, it goes back to if you got a uh, uh, four first line players, four lines of first line players, and no 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 knuckle draggers, no like no 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 guys to to keep the peace. You're going back to um, the old Philly days. If you get a if you have a three legit gamers that are going to go and then you got one heavy like all those goal scorers all of a sudden they grow even if they're big they grow a couple inches because they can go and do whatever the hell they want because there's repercussion right oh yeah i believe it you was nylon he... that said it when um in the interview when i was talking about his fights with boston uh when he had a uh two fights in the same game with taz and uh, Stan Jonathan and he was talking and he ran a guy in the corner and the guy and he was like well the guy got a little bit ballsy because he's got you know Taz and Jonathan to back him up yeah. so your balls grow you get bigger balls because you got these guys that are going to have your back the entire time you ki- you kidding me if, if he, any of these guys you interview and like I respect every single one of them and my hat goes off to them tell me there even if you're the Serge Roberts or the Bob Probert or the tell me your nuts don't grow. If I'm Mayran and, and I know or Gillies, I mean, the list goes on. Like uh, Louis, if I have Tom Wilson, if I got Dougie Matt and I got like three guys, yeah, I'll take the first chop. Who's getting this guy? Okay. Yeah, yeah you're going to go out there. You're going to ride the red line. Like, you, your balls grow too. You grow a little bit because you're like, I'm not the lone soldier over here. Now, when a couple of your buddies get suspended, you're like, fuck, I'm in for a long night on this one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, but no, man, I, I it's, uh, it's a dying breed and it's sad to, you, you did that, that they had, did a documentary. Uh, um, it's not, uh, is it guardians or something? Ice guardians. But they said like, it was yeah, it was one of those. But they said uh, you you can probably tell me. But they said like, um, do you think the guys today? And they and they had a clip of it like it was Crosby and somebody else, and they're getting like fucking murdered in front of the net and the punch in the back of the head. Do you think that would have happened ten years ago or well, well maybe fifteen years ago? No, if if somebody even wipe the snow off their stick blade on Crosby's back of his legs, you could have 
Probe or Kosh or anybody that's like going to come rip your head off. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be taking those liberties. The only reason why they can take those liberties and why a guy like Marchant can lick a face is because there's no repercussion. There's no accountability. Exactly. Because that's the way the game is going. And that's fine. Just, okay. Sorry if I'm like ranting on here, but oh, like, fuck dude. Listen, no, you're fucking this cat. I'm holding the legs over here. You go, man. Hey, no, but listen. What what about like? Do you think Scott Stevens, or Brad Marchman, Wendell Clark? You know some of these, some of these guys that were Casperitis, even though you know he wasn't a fighter. But any of these guys that had the science of, of open ice hits or or running a guy over fucking behind the, uh, you know, dump the puck in, with, that's the way we used to practice. And that's the way I learned um, is you dump the puck in. I had one job. It was to run the fucking guy's head through the boards if I could. You know, 90% of the time, I'd probably toe pick and go head first on the boards or miss the check. Or just totally miss dumping the puck in. I'm joking, <laughs> but but honestly, that's the way it was ingrained in, into us. If you want to keep your job, because there's how many kids want to play major junior hockey or make it to pro hockey? There's there's a number of kids in line. So this is your job. This is what you do. And I'd never been so happy. Yeah, I might get sick the night before, sick to my stomach. I mean, I did it right up until, I mean, everybody left me alone in my, um, no, not for the most part. There was guys that always wanted to test and I loved it. Well, not test me, but like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's go. But in, even in, as I got older and I had family and I was just playing just cause I love the game, you know, I would still, you get that sick feeling, you know, the, or I would get that. It's, you know, I think it's um, personally, and this is just my opinion, it's fear, but fear, what is fear? It, uh, to me, it's your, your best friend or it's your worst enemy. Fear can drive you if you, if you can control that. And then, okay, uh, that, that was my deal. The next day, like, you have guys say it on your podcast all the time. You don't eat much. You're 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 supposed to have pregame, but you got to take a pregame nap. But you're not really napping because you're going through this shit in your head. When's it gonna happen? When's it gonna do it? And then, and you go through warm up. And then being a a, a a third line, fourth line guy, which I I loved. Um, you might not, you know. Okay, if you're not penalty killer, I used to kill penalties. Or in the Western League, they put me in front of the net on the power play. If you're not on the power play or penalty kill, and you're a third line, fourth line guy, well, you might not get a shift until four minutes left in the first period. Now you're kind of cold, but you want it to happen right now. But maybe the game, if you're putting the team in front of yourself, you're not. It's not a good time to fight. So now you're still thinking or your shifts don't match up, you know, and you're just waiting, waiting for this time. Cause it is a good time to go and a good time not to. And I can honestly tell you that 
I knew when I did scrap that it was it was it there was no like I don't think I was ever mad. I was more kind of it, it, I got calm and once the gloves dropped, I was I, then I was like, okay, the wait's over. Now we do our job, and best man win. And I never cheap shot at a guy on the ground, but like it was a big breath of fresh air. And I used to wait because. A lot of these guys, like you, I'm, I can't, I got to find a different way. I'm not big. Well, not as big as these guys. And a lot of guys I fought were taller than me. And, um, I got a bowling ball head for a reason. So I could, uh, the only reason that was my saving grace is a hard head and the left hand. Cause I could, I'd always kind of line up as a righty. But I'm I'm a left-handed dominant. But boxing, I, I grew up. I got into boxing up until I was about 21, and my boxing coach, he was another influential guy. But he he knew I was a lefty, and he made me, you know, let's go right-handed to make me comfortable with both hands. And that was that was the only thing that would save me half the time because I'd be getting my face my nose on the side of my head and then I would just pop a left and then I'd slow the pace down a little bit, you know, and I would be like, okay, thank God. Yeah. Breathing room now. But then you fight a lefty. It's just, there's a lot that goes on involved in it. And then standing on your skates is a, is a whole different ball game too, but it's fun, man. It's a thrill. It's a thrill. <clears throat> Absolutely, man. Fuck, sorry, I was spitting real quick. Got a chaw in. Um, oh, you know what I thought happened? It was silent, and I'm like, "Did my phone just die?" <laughs> no, be yelling, no, at my, it was be be yelling at my kids out there and be like, "Hey, get me a charger." <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, just me fucking being the real professional host. I am spitting some chew. You are, there. man. Yeah. You're good. That's why I like it. Hey, that's good, man. That's what it's about. Well, you know, fucking speaking to some teammates that make you feel like you're, uh, you know, 10 feet taller. Um, and, you know, luckily, somehow, someway, HockeyFights.com, and I always give them shit because sometimes they don't have a lot of fight cards because Drop Your Gloves was the fucking Bible for hockey fights. Um, but they actually have some of your WHL fight cards, so we'll get to that in a second. But a couple teammates you had on the 97 team with uh, Tri-City was actually Chris Waltz and... Uh, Regan Darby, what was it like playing with those two? And I know Waltz follows the podcast, I think, and he's had an episode with Fourth Line Voice. Um, but yeah, what was it like having those two, man? Waltzy, he come in, he he was a a wrecking ball too. Like um, we put, he knew, you know, they're from Alberta, right? Um, a lot of boys came from Alberta, you know. Uh, those those boys were all even, you know. That's the funny thing. Back back then, which is sick to say, but like back then, which seems like yesterday to me, um, it didn't matter if you scored. Well, fuck, look at Noof. Like it doesn't matter how many. Look at Lanko. Fucking Lanko's the most underrated tough guy I've ever. Like you, if you scored goals, you still had dance. You 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 still had to fight. Like. You, there was no not fighting, and if you weren't a fighter, you were chippy, or you, or you wouldn't survive. Like, but Darby and Waltz, they they came in through um, 
Sean Legault, another guy. Yep. He he knew Walty and Legault. You know, I just talked to him not too long ago, actually. Um, he's a beauty as well. But um, Walty came in, and, and it's exactly what he did. He just, you know, you got to love guys. Like, I just come in, they know their job. And it wasn't ever, you know, you just put two and two together. You know, if I'm out there, uh, 30 seconds left in the game and the score is somebody just scored an empty net goal, <laughs> fucking 4-2, and I'm lined up against not a goal scorer, you know, you know you, you're know, you not told that you got to scrap, but, like, you got to give the fans, okay, I guess we're out here. We're not out here to fucking score a goal. Oh, you want to do it? Yep. It was just awesome. Well, they they would just waltzy, go out there and, and uh, scrap anybody. And, and Reagan, uh, I think he went on to where did he? Uh, he ended up playing like up some like he was actually a really good defenseman too. But he had that mean streak, and he wasn't a he was a tall guy. He probably came into his own because I think he was a maybe a rookie when when. Um, when I was there, I think it was his first year, maybe first or second year. He got traded. I can't remember. You might have to help me out with that. But that kid was a good defenseman. But he had that he had that mean like a mean streak, you know, kind of like if you went by him, you were either getting a stick, fucking whack on the wrist, chop on the top of the foot, cross check in the back of the neck. You know, lifting up the back of your helmet, push your visor into your freaking top of your lip. He was mean like that. He, but, but an awesome, an awesome uh, guy. I don't even know what he's doing anymore. You know, it's that's why I love to listen to your podcast because I get to hear what all these other guys are are up to and doing. It's a way to connect dots without being, you know, on on social media and stuff. You get to hear from from, you know, the old guard and the people that are, are still out there, you, you know, you connect that way. So it's it's really cool, actually. Yeah, for sure, man. Really you know, cool. Good to, that's, why, that's why I like doing, uh, you know, especially some of the minor league guys, you know, not all the guys that made it to the show or anything like that, just hear what they're up to and see how they're doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, like, even a guy like yourself, your story kind of goes unheard, so it's cool to get it out there, eh? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I mean, there's nothing really to... Uh, not too too much to talk about, you know, on my end. You just got to – I always wanted to – I was always the – well, you know, coming up. You know, put it uh, put it to you this way. Cranbrook, British Columbia is where I'm from, all right? So, I mean, I'm going to forget, forget guys, and I apologize, but they, they know me. They <laughs> know my head, but – I with that year, okay. Everybody coming out in our in our bantam class, in, in, bantam. So in Cranbrook, you you, you went bantam, um, and then midget, right? And then you you know, there's great out, out east is Saskatchewan, you know, Regina Pack Canadians. I don't even know if they're still around, but there's an unbelievable midget, and even Alberta. In BC, in Cranbrook, anyway, we're in a small little town. If you didn't make the jump from Bantam to the Western League 
and back then it wasn't if you were waiting for um unless you, you your heart was set on school but the, the the western league or major junior was the fast track so if you didn't make the jump then it was time to you know move on with it because there really was nothing in midget unless you went tier two and then hope for scully or or play junior b or something like that right um but the class before the guys before me i mean playing bantam hockey like coming out of cranbrook you're talking about joel savage john clem um all these guys Stanley cup brad lukowicz scott rob niedemeyer the niedemeyer brothers jared bouquet uh logan koopman's my cousin he was drafted by detroit played in the western league my cousin brock He's from Nelson. He knows Rushton, actually. But we had a an, um, Jason Weimer, 20 minutes down the road, McBain. You're talking that there was a, a wicked collective crew. Randy Petruk, who was a goalie, ended up playing on the show. We had a that age group had a wicked crew coming out. But a majority, a majority went to Kamloops. They all went to the Blazers for some reason. Like uh, all the boys, um, except for Robbie. Robbie went to Medicine Hat. I got listed with uh, Red Deer in the Western League and got traded even before I even stepped on the ice. Really? No, I went to camp. You know, I was typical freaking uh, Indian, I guess. But I just didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't. I thought when you get listed yeah okay that's just awesome all i wanted to do was play in the western league i went to camp and uh peter anholt was the coach and uh mike mcbain was uh i was at his billets place or something we were the same age because he played in kimberly uh and we skated i think it was one day it was camp and the next day, I'm out there wheeling around, and I, you know, I was a bit of a, you know, it's uh, I have a few regrets. You know, if, I, I like to think I've smartened up a little bit, but I was a bit of a, you know, loose loose cannon, I guess. Or I like to have a little, maybe too much fun, or didn't, you know, whatever. So that summer, I really didn't do much, and I skated the next day. <laughs> I remember Anholt coming up to me. He says, I think you're having a good camp. And I'm like, oh, my God, the coach is talking to me. This is a good thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think I'm doing great. No, I didn't say I'm doing great. Yeah, 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 I feel pretty good. Just trying to. And then it's quiet. You know, and this is the beginning of practice. Everybody's kind of just wheeling around, ripping pucks. You got like 60 guys or something out there. And then, uh, he says to me, well, you better fucking have a better day today or you'll be on your first fucking bus home. That's the way it was. And I looked at him like, huh? Because I didn't, I'm like, God, did I not skate good or something? We haven't even played a fucking like inner squad game or something. But of course, you don't say that. I just put my head down and say, yes, sir. Well, I was on my first bus home after that. 
<laughs> and went and went back 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 around because I was still young, and then I got traded to Tri Cities from there, and they ended up calling me up because I went home and I was just turning sixteen, and I they had a junior team there, and I was in between Colts and Columbia Valley, and I got called up from as soon as I got traded, I I got called up halfway through the season to Tri Cities and and. Uh, you know, they can only let you play a certain, I played a couple games and then went back down. And then the next year, you know, I never, it's pretty cool. Cause I stayed there for what, four or five years. I never, I never left. And, and, and at that time in the Western league, you know, that was the beauty of it or, or any, any major junior league at that time was, it didn't matter if it was fucking March you never knew if your job was safe. Yeah, you made the trade deadline, but they could still dust you at any time. And 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 Lauxley was the one. Bob Lux, if you can ever, that guy could tell you stories forever too about a ton of guys. Little Brutus. No, he was. He's the one who changed my way of thinking. He was like probably uh, one of the most influential guys of uh my hockey career as a coach anyway you know just just it was cut and dry and this is why you're doing it but he at the same time building you building you up he, he had a really good way with doing that and i don't even know if he's when he's doing that or he's coaching anywhere he's probably not or maybe he is but that guy should be doing something because he he changed a lot of those, uh, a lot of those guys during that uh, little stint he had in Tri Cities. I know for sure. Right on, man. Um, and well, you know, I got to ask you about a couple guys you fought there in Tri City. Um, and of course, this is like I said, I got your fight card from the very last year that you played there. Um, and two guys actually ended up, uh, you know, going to the show for a few games. Well, this guy more than a few games uh, was Matt Walker. You fought him. What was it like fighting him? You know what? I don't even uh, no, I don't even remember that, man. Really? Um, <laughs> sure, I did. You know that when I do, who did he play for when he was there in the Western League? Do you know? Oh shit! No, I don't know this. Well, again, my very extensive it. research yeah, here. It's not a big deal, but hey, that's the just Oh, you know what? He played for Portland. Yeah. That's what it was. Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Portland had some. You're talking like back in the uh, Portland had uh, pop, you know. Well, pop was tough. They had Tedderico, Walker. Yeah, I know. You you could. That was the thing about there, like where we played Seattle, Spokane, Portland, you know, Tessie's Tacoma um, had Purinton, Matt Walker. I know him, but I, you know, when I'm, you're talking 25 years ago, I don't remember, and I probably didn't um, win, um, <laughs> but I showed up. I, dude, I would tell you, I'm being I'm straight with you. I, there's times on the bench, yeah, we were the Indian Outlaws, but I was like, I would do the, and my skates, I would loosen my skates during the game, because I'd be like, I, at least the guys knew exactly, and I heard this somewhere before, and I thought it was funny. 
but at least the guys knew what separated the D from the forwards because I was right in the middle. Me and the four lines because this is <laughs> that stall hasn't moved. But you know what? As soon as something happened, I would do whatever I can to uh, to stay there. I wasn't going to lose that job. But we went to funny story with uh, Thomas. We were in um, Tacoma. Rockets used to have a team, and they had um, uh, they had a Thompson there that was a killer, and they had Purington, and this Jamie Butt. And Jamie Butt, if you can do some research on him, I don't even know if he even played after that. And he was a, a really, you know, the boys knew about these guys. But we had a little dust up in uh, Tacoma. We played in the Tacoma Dome. And it turned into kind of a line brawl going on. And I, you know, I was doing anything to stay. So this is probably my first maybe 94 I'm trying to look it up too because I'm my um, brain is gone as far as like the past it anyways it was a long time ago and there was a dust up Purinton was playing and, and me and Purinton got tied up and we're kind of he's like so you know we're good let's just go out here so we're kind of going out to center ice because the melee is happening in our, in our zone Tomer, you know, Jeremy Thompson, he's in, uh, he's beating the shit out of somebody. And he, I, I guess he got taken to the penalty box. So as me and Purrington are going to the, towards center ice, right? Our gloves are on now. We're kind of hugging each other. Well, I'm thinking, man, I know Purrington like this guy, you know, a mangler. So, that's a good way to get noticed, like, that I want to, like, I'll fight anybody, right? So I kind of weaseled my clubs off behind. And he looked over his shoulder, and that's pretty much the last thing that I... He looked over his shoulder and seen those gloves drop, and he kind of looked at me with these big eyes looking down at me and stretched me out and started to feed me my lunch. And I was like, holy shit, I'm in one. So I started throwing, and immediately thinking, this was a horrible decision. And I'm like, I'm getting stroked, right? And I'm trying to swing. Arm gets caught, goes down. And I'm thinking, well, it's a line brawl. No ref's going to break this up. But we go down. And all of a sudden, you know, nothing. No punches are thrown. And I'm feeling like, you know, kind of felt like I was in a washing machine. and getting tossed around and rolling around. Tomer, Jeremy jumped out of the penalty box <laughs> and jumped on his back and started freaking so it was two on one I got up but I didn't throw any punch you know I'm not going to suck anybody but I got up like hey thanks buddy hey thanks for that yeah 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 that's just the way it was man those are the those are the times that I uh, I remember but that league you know from 93 to yeah whenever the, the late 90s there was some that's when all those boys came through there. You're talking like Mitch Fritz and the Fedorks and the Parkers and the McCabe and the Sawyers. And yes, man. So every time I would lace up, it was like, Jesus, I'm like, what am I doing? This is crazy. But 
you'll do whatever you you can do to to stay there to play, you know. So I don't regret it. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Uh, yep. I, I would I would do it all over again if someone said, "Do you want to uh, do it again?" I would say, "Yeah, right now." <laughs> Absolutely, right now. Uh, yeah. The next year, well, actually, hold on. Before we go to the next year, um, maybe you'll remember this one. You fought a guy named Jay Henderson. Do you remember fighting him at all? Yeah, I how, do. How'd it go for you? He ended up playing for, uh, it was actually good. He did me a favor. Um, I think at the time he was on Kitchener. Was he, oh, no, not Kitchener. That's the Ontario League. Oh, yeah, what if he was on Kitchener? <laughs> Fuck, what is this? Let me see here. How much you know where he there? was, probably? I think he was in uh did he play in Boston? Yes, he did. Okay, he played for uh Edmonton. The Edmonton Ice, which actually went to Kootenay. Oh, Kootenay, that's what it is. There. I saw KTN and I assumed it was Kitchener. I forgot about the Kootenay Ice. There I am, real, okay. real professional again on the podcast here. <laughs> no, bro. You know no, you're good, man, cuz I was like, <laughs> "Really, Kitchener?" No, I didn't. I guess I didn't fight him. But I no, I remember the reason why I remember that is um, so Edmonton, they had uh, the Edmonton Ice, and then they moved actually to my hometown, Cranbrook, and it was called Kootenay Ice. And I think, well, they won the after a long time after. They're not there anymore in Kootenay uh, anymore. But uh, Jay was in. Um, um, Edmonton and I didn't have a you know I didn't play a lot but I have a lot of family that that is out in St. Albert area you know the Rondells and and the whole farm or the whole res is pretty much coming out to watch my great grandma had never seen me play so my grandma and grandfather used to drive and I might only get a couple shifts a game or you know in my first years I was a very. Uh, I was a checker or fourth line guy, a third line guy, and worked my way up. But um, I, you know, you had to earn earn every bit of ice, especially with Loxy. It didn't matter if you were a hundred point man or or two point man. You earned your ice time. So if you played, when you got your opportunity, you made the best of it, and he would reward you that way. Um, this time, I don't even think Lauxie was, uh, I don't know if it was Rick Lance was coaching me, um, or, or Lauxie, but anyways, I was riding pine and my great grandma, um, she was, she's gone now. She passed away, but it was the first time, like I had a lot of family, in the stands there and I wasn't getting played. So that kind of, you know, they understood, but that kind of hurts, but I was sitting on the bench and I was just slowly getting more mad and mad. So the first shift I get, I line up against uh, Henderson and I said, Hey man, you know, you, you know, we're going, we gotta go. He's like, okay. Boom. And it was awesome. You know, he, he's a, uh, he was a tough dude, you know, he would throw both, you know, there's some guys when you grab, so I didn't, I'm not like, uh, uh, my fighting style is a little bit different. I'll kind of, 
kind of like to wait, kind of like take a few, and because that's to my advantage. Because once they get tired, then okay, now I can start moving a little bit because these guys are are pretty strong. But I I I ended up getting kicked out because I think um, <laughs> that's my 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 great my great grandma passed away like. A, a couple years later or whatever. That's the only game she came to see, and I got one shift, fought Henderson, and I got kicked out because I tried to use his helmet. I was going <laughs> to whack him with his helmet. I think I attempted to so during the scrap or something. Not on purpose, but I was, like, so mad and got punted. So, uh, yeah, it didn't go too well. And then after the game, it was just, you know, I go out and see him, like, hey, guys, how's it going? Thanks for coming. Yeah, hell of a game, <laughs> right? Enjoy. Uh, yeah, you enjoy that? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing real well. No, but I loved it, man. I was playing in the Western League. I loved it, man. I, that, that was it. Was a uh, it was a good time. It was yeah. a good time. Yeah, it's funny. I was just looking at Jay Henderson's stats because I was like, where the fuck did I get Kitchener from? And on uh, on HockeyDB, it still has him as like the Edmonton Ice that year. It doesn't have him as Kootenai. So I was like, where the fuck did I get Kitchener from? Because <laughs> I, <that's, laughs> yeah. I knew Kitchener's in the O, too. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, I guess, I don't know. Maybe they had a, a one-off game because yeah, I don't know too much about that league or like the, uh, you know, the, the CHL, as they say. Um, so I don't know too, too much about it, especially in like the 90s. I was like, where the fuck did I get Kitchener from? <laughs> yeah, Kitchener. I was like, damn, I don't think I played there. Did I play there? <laughs> um yeah it's all good man absolutely but you know so the next year bone it's your first year pro and you actually find yourself in the western professional hockey league and oh you, tell you, me yeah you go down to bro. austin for the ice bats how was that experience you know what blessing in a like and a curse because you come from okay you go from major junior and then then you're turning pro. So when I got like, um, I got drafted, you know, in 96 to Detroit Yep. and got to, you know, have a sip of coffee there for two, for two years. And it was life changing. Right. And then going into pro, so they get they back then they had your rights for two years. So my first year at camp in Detroit was unbelievable. I mean, we could go on for that for hours. Great stories on both of those years with guys. Um, but coming out of there, when I came back from my overage year in the Western League, I busted up my my hand, my left hand on a partition on the boards in a scrap. Um, you know where the glass meets the boards, you got a couple inch ledge there and then the glass goes goes up. Well the guy I can't remember who I was fighting, but the guy was going down and I went to hit him, you know, because the fight's going, it happens fast. Then I hit the partition right where the glass meets the boards and busted up my hand pretty bad and screwed up my back as well later on. So a lot of that 20-year-old year, and I'm not making up excuses, you know. I just clearly wasn't good enough to play on the show. But that last year, I it says I played however many games in the, as a 20-year-old, but I really would take a shift or two shifts and then go to the dressing room because either the hand wasn't 
you know, you, when your hands are busted, there's not too much you could do, especially when you're, you know, just a lunch bucket guy. And then um, if you're back, so I would always try to play. I always wanted to play, and then now I just can't do it. Can't do it. I, I couldn't go. So, but I got credited for those games, so my stats look horrible. Not like they would have been great anyway. But I ended up going to, I think, my first year pro. No, actually, my first year, my first game pro was against uh, Charlotte Trekkers still. It was after my 19-year-old year. Yep, yeah, that's right. With the, uh, Yep, you had five games there with Charlotte. Yeah, okay. I want to hear another funny story about me. This is just my luck, by the way. So Fox Sports. It's huge now. This is when Fox was just starting to like get in, uh, dabble into the sports uh, deal. So I don't, um, I don't know how if it was through Detroit or whatever because I was still with it. They wanted to get me some pro experience or something, and I knew um, John Marks was the coach in Charlotte, and Chad Nelson, who was a Another fucking knuckle dragger. If you look him up, he'd be a funny guy too to get. And I'll bet you a lot of your boys know him. Um, but he was playing there. So I was at the end of, uh, I don't think we made playoffs in the Western League. So I went up to Charlotte to finish off the season and play playoffs. Well, the first, it was the, it was the first game. So we at the end of the year in Tri-Cities, you know, it's like anything. It'd be like you leaving your boys after, you know, um, or if you went on deployment or you came back or if you just went somewhere on a training thing for a couple of weeks, you guys tear it up at the end. That's the way the end of the season goes. It's a, it's a shit show for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. You never know, right? So I've... I know I'm going to to uh, uh, Charlotte the next day. Well, we light it up. You know, it's the end of the season. We're all saying goodbyes. Everybody's all booze until whatever time of the night. <clears throat> I got to catch a plane out of Tri-Cities in the morning. My parents take me to drop me off. and Pretty much have to wake me up because I'm falling asleep in the, in the airport. I'm still 100% probably still drunk. Um <laughs> Put me on a plane, so I go from Tri-Cities in North Carolina. That's an all-day flight. A uh, guy picks me up there and takes me right to the rink. Oh. And, yeah, and I'm like, I'm really good. Like, we're playing tonight type thing? So, anyways, nothing really happens that night. I can't remember who we played. The next night we go to Richmond. <clears throat> And I can't remember who this guy was, but I should have known, you know, but I was, a, you know, you're, you're young. And so we're playing in Richmond and, and, and it just so happened that uh, it was getting filmed on, on Fox. So everybody at home in Cranbrook could watch. And it just so happened that Jay McNeil actually is from Cranbrook. He um, was up for the Hobie Baker, actually, one time. He was a hell of a hockey player, but a goal scorer guy. He played on the other team, 
And Chad Nelson was from Cranbrook. He's older than me, and he was a scrapper there. And then there was me. So there's three Cranbrook boys that, that everybody back home could watch. So everybody and their dog was watching, right? Well, of course, I, I, I think I got a couple shifts. I probably got a on an old VHS tape somewhere. My dad's probably got it. They got the announcers and everybody's watching at home. Well, I get a shift near the end and the puck, uh, I get, it was in the corner or something and a guy finished his check, but put me on my ass and I got up and I'm like, Oh, hell no. Like you can't, that's just the way you don't, you don't, you can't let that happen. You got to show that, Hey, so I whacked, whacked this guy on the on the back of the legs, and when I whacked him, I can't fucking remember who it is. He's a big boy, well, bigger than me. I whacked him across the back of the legs. He turns around and he goes, "I said, do you want to go?" And that's about all I got out. I didn't even get, "Do you want to go?" He turned around and fucking dropped his gloves, and that's when I was just like, "Welcome to pro." He dropped his gloves and fucking still got the scar to this day. Punched me right over the fucking, uh, caught me on the sweet spot. Split me open over my lip, put me right on my ass. So it was one punch, boom, down. And I'm like, holy fuck. So I get up. I redeemed myself, though, the next game. But I got fucking, and I, I remember eating a salad on the bus back to Charlotte going, I can't even eat. I don't even know where I'm at. Like, where the fuck am I? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. And then my buddy Nelly, the older guy who's from Cranbrook, he's a defenseman for Charlotte. He he comes back and goes, he's telling what happened? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. You tell me, man. And he goes, yeah, well, Marksy, John Marks at the time, he's a fucking awesome coach, too. John Marks, he, 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 when I got one punch, he looks at Nelly, goes, I thought you told me this guy was tough. And Nelly said, he really is, honestly, he is. Did he really say that? He's telling me, I'm like, fuck, did I get one punch? He's like, well, you'll probably see it on tape. Sure, shit. By the time I get back to the hotel in Charlotte, you know, I got, because there's no cell phones, you got that red blinking light that you got 18 messages left on your the hotel, oh, you know. Because yep. they put me up. I, I lived in that hotel for a month, you know, until they didn't see them. And it was like, oh, you okay? What happened? And I'm thinking, oh, of course. The only one that has to get filmed on freaking television is the one that gets dominated. But, and the announcers, I don't even know, but I'd like to freaking, the way they called it was awesome. Like, Craig Stahl, uh, drafted by Red Wings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, coming out of the Western League, well, this is the way they fight. Welcome to Pro Welcome to the big leagues. Welcome to pro, you know. Because, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, thanks, guys. Just keep driving the bus back over and over and over me. But, hey, that's the way you learn, man. You got to take your lumps, you know. Oh, yeah. And I took mine. So <laughs> it was good. Yeah, welcome it was to pretty pro. funny. That's great. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but Austin, bro, Austin. So, anyways, getting out of the, the Western League, and then, you know, if you've if 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 you go to NHL camp or something, I mean, it, the, the the major juniors like um, well, it was like the mini show. They treated you. That's the way you were treated, and that's the way 
you dressed and you had to act and you, you know, it trained you pretty much for that. So I think I, I coming out of, of, of my last year junior, I went to Houston in the IHL and, um, they had a working agreement with Austin because it was right down the road and Houston back then, you know, back in the IHL, back in those days, you know, those, the, they called, at least when I was coming up and, uh, you know, the AHL was kind of like a glorified major junior, all the boys full of piss and vinegar, younger IHL old guard, you know, guys uh, on the tail end of their career in the show, men, tough fucking dudes, you know, and, 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 but it was tough to get a lick in there unless you were on a contract. Well, Houston was independent at the time and went to camp there. And they obviously, you know, it's that trickle down effect. Um, and Brent Hughes, who played for Boston, he, he actually or was it Al Tour? I don't know. No, no, it was Husey. Husey was the f- first one, I believe. Uh, they picked me up in Austin, me and um, a couple other guys, and we we drove back and pulled up to this freaking rodeo barn, and I did not believe it. I was like, this, this is where I went from, like, I'm like, I went from the penthouse to the shithouse. But honestly... That was an uh, unbelievable league, man. That was fun hockey. It was some of the best time I had in my life. And when I went into the dressing room there, so the actual dressing room, you know, in between periods, and that was just, it was an eye-opener for me, but that's just the way it was back then, you know? And it was, uh, yeah, Jacques Mayo, the mailman there, you know, you had, I mean, there's probably a list of, guys in that league that were were um, old manglers. Zerba played in that league, I believe. Uh, yes, he you did. Got, like, yeah, you got a ton of guys in the, in the Whipple that, that and it was in uh, the great cities. It was like a Texas league, really. And then you go down to Corpus and you had fucking Bumstead and Wingfield and all these, uh, Martin and all these like freaking um killers down there as well but it was uh, austin was a great city and i had a i had a blast there man it was it was uh, a good time definitely a teammate i gotta ask you about or excuse me ask you about that you had on austin was um and he he played in the of course the lnh but was a uh, ryan pisiak what was it like with him on the team man you know what He's a wicked guy. So me and him, I was still boxing at the time. And when he came over, you know, me and him went up to San Antonio and because uh, there was a pro boxing gym up there. We went up there for a workout. And, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate. It, it fucking actually burns my ass. You know, you know some guys go through some, some tough situations that they have no control over. And... Um, they battle with it internally, but that guy's like salted the earth and he's like a gentle, honestly, a gentle giant, man. Like, but just don't poke the bear. Cause if, you know, I mean, some guys I watched him fight, you know, and we had Kimball and, 
there was other guys in the league that were just manglers and and he did his job and off the ice though he was just a he lived actually we used to hang out all the time um, when I played in Austin we had a blast uh, together he was uh he's doing great I I, I think he's doing um I don't know what he's doing anymore. I think he's doing something. Hopefully he's doing well, but he, you know, he deserves all the best in the world. Cause that guy, that guy, uh, went through a lot, fought, fought everybody, but he was, he was a tank man. He was like 250 pounds. I don't know if it was, you know, a lot of guys back then, a lot of guys were getting into different things. Cause you either sink or swim. Are you going to keep up or, you know, there was really no regulation on what guys could and couldn't do. Um, but as far as Pizziak, he was just, uh, at least when he was in Austin, man, he was 6'3", 250, maybe 245, and just a tank. And he could play, too. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, um, he was good, good, uh, tough guy. Same thing with Legault. Legault came in after, and he pretty much, oh, legs, man. He fucking fought everybody. That's the guy that just came in and, and made every opportunity for himself and made it count and, and actually made it up there. He, he, he went to camp with Edmonton throughout tour, but those type of guys that you, if you can play with, you can learn you can learn so much from those guys that, that dig in the trenches like that and, and claw their way up, and that's, you you feed off that, you know. If everybody's doing that, everybody's grinding in the sewer, man. Things come out that way because you're not gonna, especially as a leader. And I was fortunate enough to be everywhere I played. I ended up wearing a letter, and I was never traded. The only time I was traded was in from Red Deer, and that was before I even actually played a game. Went to Tri Cities, played my full career. Um. And then every pro team, I chose to leave and, and honestly left on good terms. It was just, you know, if I was playing in the minors and I knew I was going to hump around the minors, I wanted to see the, I wanted to use it. You know, I wanted to see the United States. I wanted to travel and, uh, you know, of course, my ultimate goal was to play in the show, but um I had I got to make a couple protein shakes up there and, and rub elbows with my uh, idols, so I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it trade it for the world. Fuck yeah, man! Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, I've had him on the podcast before, and I got to ask, and I think we we briefly touched on him before we got going here, but of course, he was out there in the Whipple, and that is uh, old Todd Screwy St. Louis. Did you did you ever have any run-ins with him out there in the uh, the Western? Pro we League? did. We actually. No, we actually got along. Like, if you were to ask him, we actually got along. Because he was always, I mean, I don't know him personally, but from playing against him, I think I only played against him a couple years. Because I, you might have to ask him. Because I, when I played against him, I think yeah, I'm almost positive Melnichuk was on his team. Yes, at and one point so he was. was there was another, is it Murphy? There was some other, he's a defenseman. And he was a scrapper too. It was like back then, it seemed like every team had four or five guys. Oh, yeah, especially in the West. Willing League. and able. Oh, yeah. Yeah, willing and able. Just, you know, you could 
close your eyes and put your finger on it and you're like, well, yeah, there's nobody that w- wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't fight. But I love the way he played too. Honestly, you could hate a guy on the ice that you played against, but you don't know him personally, but you admire him. It's those guys you love to hate. You'd like, you, you hate them, but you'd love to have them on your team, you know? And those guys are usually the best guys in the locker room, honestly. You know, they're the, they're the, they're the light, you know, like Noof. He, he was the same way. Brian Kell, the same way. Noof, actually, it was actually my second or my first year pro. We made the hockey news. I don't even know if there's even that anymore. I haven't been home. Oh, there is, but it's fucking awful when you got guys like Ken Campbell writing for the fucking thing. So, yeah, it's awful. Yeah. (laughs) But we made the hockey news. We were playing in Prince George. And uh, Lankel, this was at the time of the the card deals were going on. You know, know, the hockey cards and you would get the signed ones with these these high picks were getting uh, um, uh, they were getting money you know you sign a contract whatever and you make money so Lauxy was our coach and Prince George Cougars was a team we were playing and I, we were on our uh, we were on the road and we were in the hotel and, and Langs uh, said hey you want to go across the Street. It was like to a Seven Eleven. This is the middle of winter, right? I'm like, yeah. I was gonna grab a can of chew, or, and I, and I actually, I think it was a Lipton. I know it was, you know, those Lipton bottles of iced tea. Oh they're yeah. Like, they're glass, and I think we were getting a bag of chips or something. Well, I walked in the store. Me, Mark Hurley, who was a little five nine goal scorer, like the the older brother of Mike Hurley. Um, and Langs, and we asked Coach because it was after you know I can't remember what time curfew was in your room or whatever. But Langs asked Lexi and said, "Yeah, go ahead." So we went. I walk inside the store, and I'm with Hurley, and I look out. I'm like, I look outside, and Langs talking to these two guys in the parking lot. Well, that usually happened, you know, if people knew where you were staying and. Those guys are highly talented guys, and, you know, somebody's always asking them, like, either about a card or, you know, just talking to them or wanting their card signed something. I walk outside, and I'm like, hey, Langs has got a, he's got a switch, man. And Langs like, these fucking guys want to fight me, want to fight us. I'm like, huh? What? I thought he was, like, <laughs> in my head. I got my lifting iced tea and a can of chew. And I'm like, what? So, what do you mean? Well, that day, when we came from Tri-Cities, is a, you know where it is, is a Kennewick, Richmond, Pasco. It's almost, it's nice weather down there. So you go to Prince George, you're freezing your nuts off. And we should have known that. But Lanks, you know, he bought a couple of these uh, Adidas jackets, these winter jackets. And he was wearing that one. And I guess it was something they had some these guys wanted to scrap. I don't know if it was some kind of fucking I don't know what kind of gangs you'd have up in Prince Norms, but So these guys wanted to fight and I'm like, Well, okay, well there's three of us, two of you, are we doing this or put down my bag? No, and these guys walk away. 
So literally, we have to walk across the street. And if you can picture this, it's the middle of winter in Prince George, so the parking lots are icy, right? No shit. Alec, the, the, I remember hearing, like, this party ruckus, and there's probably, fuck, I don't know, 30, 20? 20 guys, like, coming down these stairs next door to the gas station, and they're jogging towards us. We literally just have to walk across the street. There's three of us. <laughs> and Hurley, Hurley's not a scrapper. Uh, Mark wasn't. You know, he's kind of like pretty boy, hilarious guy. Like, should be, like, could be a comedian, but he doesn't like to, to dust it up. Langs will fight anybody. And he's like, uh, should we should we run? And I'm like, no. This is the dumb. <laughs> Here's 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 old uh, wise Craig speaking. I'm like, no, don't run, don't run because if you run, it's gonna fucking chase you. These guys are gonna run up behind us. They're not just gonna sucker. They're just gonna start chirping. And by the time we get to the hotel, you get the boys and you know whatever. They're not gonna do anything. Who's the first guy to get suckered? Me. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like I'm because I was kind of in the back and he cuz kind of came around and I got freaking smoked. So what do I do is I take my, that bag I had in my hand and I just did the windmill. And I just remember plink, 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 like just hitting. I just swung uh, that bag, that glass bottle. And then I don't remember much after that. And I ended up, all three of us ended up in the hospital and the cops were called. Um, they found a lead pipe, uh, cracked cheekbone, you know, stitches. I got. I was getting turtle position booted. I remember trying to like run. I couldn't run. I was like a wounded animal. These guys weren't big, but there were so many of them. Hurley, guess who comes unscathed out of this? I I get like my face caved in because I'm out and the middle of the parking lot. Lankow, smart, he goes, puts his back in between two two cars, he said, so no one could get to him. They would have, they couldn't come. They'd have to come one at a time. Uh, all that Lanks had, I think, was stitches on his knuckles from Denton guys. Hurley crawled underneath a truck in the parking lot so no one could get to him. And everybody, I guess, just teed off on me because I was the dumb one that didn't know where to go. But we ended up in the uh, hospital from that. But I ended up getting to my knees because I, I was half out of it, leaking all over myself. And I went up to our floor. Because, you know, in a melee and it's dark, you don't know who's on your team. There's just fists. It's just like a fucking dust up, right? So I get up to our floor and I'm banging on doors, get downstairs, coaches, trainers, everybody. Who's the first one? Like Noof came down there and one poor bastard came back because the the dust had settled. But one guy dropped his coat or something, came back looking for it. And Noof just says, you the guy teaming up on our on our friends. I'm just looking for my jacket. And our coaches were there and no fucking 
beat the shit out of him. And we were just all standing around in the coat. I think Lauxie grabbed him off. But that's the type of guy I knew was like all our guys, you know, back then it was accountability. It was like, hey, no, if you want to fight, now we're all here. Let's do it. But I, we ended up, we had to play the next day. I, I had a play with a full, a full cage, full eye tech. But what's cool about the city of Prince George is I remember when we went on the ice the next day because it made news that next night. And they used to get good crowds. We got freaking applauded when we skated on the ice that we were playing and, and fucking Langs didn't even have a mark. I looked like I got ran over by a truck, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, cool. Newf, Newf was, uh, that, t- that's the type of guy he was though. He'd just go to the wall, wall for you. Just a crazy bastard. Man. It was, it was, uh, not so great on my part, but a good learning experience anyway. <laughs> but it was it was fun, man. It was fun. Well, did you at least still get to keep your can of chew? No shit, no. I don't oh, even know if I. Let, I don't even know if I don't even know if I had shoes <laughs> after that. <laughs> I got to beat off me. You know when you're running on ice and it's like you're running so fast but you're not running anywhere. Oh like, yeah, why run? You'll only die tired, right? You've probably heard that. Why run? You'll only die tired. Just turn around, start do your best. Do your best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, running on ice mm-hmm. is not fun. Uh, of course, going back to no. the Quad Cities, visiting sometimes, man. You'll see. Oh, man, me, me and my dad, we busted our ass one time. Well, not we didn't bust our ass, but we were laughing our asses off because we saw somebody just try. We were, like, out in front of, like, a, I think it was, like, some coffee shop, and we saw somebody, and they just, they were trying to get their balance with everything in their fucking might, but they couldn't get it. Fell and I felt so bad, but we were both. I think we about pissed ourselves laughing so damn hard in the truck because it's just it's hard, oh, it's hard to get your fucking balance on ice, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, I never could master that. <laughs> it was all good, man. No, I had a. It was a good time, man. All the way through, brother. All the way through, and a lot of tough cookies that I uh, came up against. I think anybody that drops the gloves, you know respect it's not whether you win or lose it's whether you show up you know it says a lot it says a lot for your character i think it sets a great example for your team that hey i'm here i'll i uh, might not say much but i'm i'm here for you guys i'm here to back you up i think that goes a long way absolutely i Um, believe anyway you know, so you had well, you, you had a quick game in Pensacola with uh, the old Ice Pilots. You had one game with them. <laughs> Somehow you managed to get 15 penalty minutes for them. What happened to that game? Well, that was after exhibition. So the story of that is uh, I actually signed, I signed with Hamilton. And, uh, no, that was my second year post. So I signed with Hamilton in the American League on a two-way contract. And they were... Um, it wasn't West Coast. Yeah, actually, I think Tacoma had a West Coast League team, maybe. I can't remember. So, um, Hamilton, uh, you know, trickle-down effect, played in, in, in um, Hamilton, had an exhibition, a couple exhibition games. Ended up getting an, I think I scrapped Hawking there, I think, um, in that camp. I was having a good camp, but then Chimera and all these other guys start coming down. 
and it's trickle down effect. And I played in the Western League against Tremere too, but I was supposed to go to Tacoma. But that's right by my house, like right right by home, and I wanted to see the state, so I actually told them, "Hey, don't worry about the the two way." I went back to Austin, and then the following year, I got uh, went to Hershey, in the um, it was in the American League as well, and I got. You know, I knew a lot, I knew uh, some guys up there. Casey Timmons played with him in Tri Cities. He was he was another tough, really tough native kid. He was younger than me. Um, but when I got to Hershey, I didn't even get to step on the ice because you had to do physicals. Well, the very last game of the year, and uh, well, no, it was one of the last games we were playing actually in New Mexico. It was I was with Austin, and it was some kind of you know we were getting down to the nitty gritty, and I kind of got hit from behind, and it popped my chest a little bit. Like I still got like a little lump there, like kind of cracked sternum a little bit or the upper rib. Like right, it was horrible, man. Um, but it was at the end of the year, you know, and booze, heels, everything, and you're not going, yeah, I'm fine when you go to your, when you go through your exit interview and physicals, and I was fine. And then I went to Hershey, and then when you went to the physical there, the doctor was asking about this lump on my chest. I so said, I took a hit last year. I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. fine. Then we went into... And this is just the way it was. That's why I have so much appreciation for the way things used to be because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And you, just, you, you know, you build up a little resiliency, almost scar tissue around your heart where you're able to deal with situations of feeling uncomfortable and failure, you know, because I don't ever believe you're not failing. You're, you're fucking growing. You're just building this resilience where nothing can talk for 30 seconds yeah and i just go. gave her a, <laughs> i was like hello <laughs> yeah i'm sitting there well because i had a connection issue like for like two seconds right before or a while back sorry we're recording now but i don't really give a shit um yeah but but i was like oh hello i thought i lost you like your phone died or something i was like hello and then he came back out of nowhere i was like oh okay that was weird but yeah i just had a fucking no you called me on the other line yeah i don't know I don't know. I'm maybe maybe up, I gotta, I gotta I stop. Get... Uh, gotta stop stealing my neighbor's Wi-Fi or something. I guess. <laughs> um, no, that's me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, where do we leave off though? It was in Hershey, and no name on the. Did you hear that part where there was no name on, at the table? No, no, I didn't hear that part. Okay, so went to Hershey the next year. And the American uh, League, and we went through physicals and um, never had a, you know, they, they have the team meeting, they're going to hand out your per diems and stuff and what's going to happen for the week. And you sit where your name is in your booklet. And mind you, we haven't even gotten on the ice yet. And I've always showed up to camp in shape, like always. But I was, it was like Duck Duck Goose, man. I wasn't, I walked around that table and there was no fucking Craig stall. And I came with Tri Cities with uh, Scott McCallum. He was a third round draft pick to Phoenix. 
and uh, Scotty never never worked out. He was tough as nails, farm boy. He was six three, big defenseman. Um, hell of a fucking hockey player too. His name wasn't on there either. And then I can't remember who it was. They said, "Well, if your name's not on the, at the table, I'll come see us outside." And I'm like, talk about how embarrassing that that, that is. But you know what? Again, resiliency, right? And I like that. So I walk outside, and he goes, you know, um, the physical with your chest, slide builder can't put you on the ice because if I go out there and get hit, then it's on them. And I'm like, I wouldn't be here if I I wasn't okay. Well, I I get it. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, Then then they, I wasn't in the room for Scotty's interview, but they just told him pretty much – you didn't work out. You're out of shape, blah, blah, blah. So we got sent down to Pensacola. We get to Pensacola, Wayne Cashman. You remember Wayne Cashman from the Boston Bruins? He's an old tough ball. Uh, yep. I mean, all due respect to him now, but fuck. I, I, I thought, you know what? That's the shit that pisses me off. It's like, I was in camp in Detroit and 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 skated and seen the way Shanahan was when he played in the show, and then he was the penalty guy for the NHL when the game started to change, and I could see him like gigging guys for doing headshots, and I'm thinking, fuck, man, like he, I know you're doing the job, and I get it. Uh, I guess I'm just old school, but you're throwing stones in a fucking glass house. He's one. Of, he was a tough fucking player when he played, right? He played. He played that way. So now you're taking the job of 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 doing that. Uh, anyways, uh, so I'm talking about Cashman is Johnny Busick, who um they called the chief as well, and I know Leach was was native, but Johnny Busick uh, gave me a letter from Boston Bruins. When I was coming up to Bantam, I, I got a lot of, like, I wasn't going to fucking play anymore because I don't care, like, any of my buddies, they call me every fucking dirty name in the book. And I love it, man. That's when you know you're loved, right? I always say, hey, if I'm not bugging you, then I, you know, I don't really like you. If you if you're bugging, they, they, they you know, your buddies, right? But <clears throat> I went through some tough. I think it was Pee Wee or Bantamway. I was playing AAA, and I every time I would get, I would get the fucking, I would get the uh, Indian or something like this. Well, I started to fucking spear guys, punch guys. Losing the shit, and I was like, "No, I'm done. I'm not playing." Well, Giant Busek said, "I got a letter from the Boston Bruins." Giant Busek wrote me. I got it framed on my wall in the house there. I have to show it to you. Um, but he wrote me this big letter, and that's what kept me playing the game. Um, so then I, you know, I jumped back on the horse. A cashman, I thought that would be. You know, fuck, he played with John Busey. Cashman's a tough guy. Bring guy come to Pensacola, Leon DeLorme. Love the guy to death. We're like fucking 
brothers. I haven't talked to him and I can't tell you in how long, but that's another guy that you might want to get. Just a crazy bastard. Me and him played on a line. And, you know, I wanted to stay in Pensacola. I was in Florida. Like, I freaking loved it. You're taking a kid there. And me and Leon, I can remember us putting Vaseline on her face and fuck it. We were doing everything. Go out there, we'd scrap, fucking take off, like, get off the ice. We were, I had a blast there with him, with Leo. If I could play with that guy for a season, I'd love him. I don't know if you, you got to look him up if you don't know him already. I think he's a guy, I think he's probably still guiding out out in uh, Saskatchewan or something. He had a guiding outfit, I think. But he, we played online together and we knuckled it up. And then I got pulled into the office of Cashman. And uh, he said, we're not looking for a tough guy. We're looking for team tough. And that's the first time I've, I've always handled myself like professionally or tried to. I know guys that know me will probably laugh at that. But I've tried to, you know, always... You know, handle stuff professionally. Yeah, wing nut at times, but at the most, for the most part, try and just keep it uh, professional. I didn't. I left that and I said, you fucking me. I left. I was getting my bag out. I fucking whipped it by the, because it was right down the hallway where his uh, office was. I fucking fired my bag down there. I was done. I was going home. I was done with hockey. And uh, Riley Nelson who was a goal scorer. He's Chad Nelson's younger brother. He actually got his jersey retired in Colorado. He played in the American League. and he, Well, he he's a lifer there for the Eagles, uh, Colorado Eagles. He called me, and he goes, hey, why don't you come up to Columbus? And I said, Columbus? I thought it's, I didn't even heard of fucking Columbus, Georgia. Was, like, honestly, I thought it was Ohio. And he said, why don't you come up and come? I said, no, man, I'm done. Sick of it. Like, that's it. He said, come up for the weekend. So I talked to Bruce Garber, who uh, was the coach at the time. He was an unbelievable guy, too. But he said, uh, here, I'll sign you to a three-game contract so you don't have any commitment. And if you like it, you're more than welcome to stay. And I uh, stayed there for two years, actually, after that. Went up to... Uh, Columbus and actually, you know, fell in love with the, the, the kind of the small town feel up there and got to live and play with my childhood buddy. And it was, um, it was a good deal, man. It was, it was a, a good learning experience. It was like a breath of fresh air, uh, especially with the ownership up there and, and um, the way it was. And then it went, to me, it went sideways up there because then, you know, if you notice, and now you know because you know more about fucking hockey than I do, but you're looking around all these minor pro leagues, it, like you're talking about um, all these minor pro leagues, they, they'll jump from the East Coast and then they'll jump, you know, there's a new league and they'll just fold and then reopen and now there's a federal league. You know what I mean? So a lot of these leagues have been to the East Coast. And they've been to the different different leagues. Well, Columbus was going to go to the East Coast League. Um, and they were affiliated with, fuck, I can't remember at the time, 
who they were affiliated with, but they brought in Larry Kish. Have you ever heard of that that guy? Uh, I don't believe so. He's a GM. He was a GM. Larry Kish. So they Larry Kish. They had Phil Roberto, uh, who won a Stanley Cup Montreal Canadiens way back in the day. Old school guy, great general manager, and they had Bruce Garber. They had a good like. Fuck, they had a, a really good team. Um, but when they got affiliated and went to the East Coast, they brought Kish in. Well, then, you know, that trickle-down effect, everybody came in. And so I had just met, well, my future wife at the time, so I didn't want to leave. They knew I, I wanted to stay. Oh, fuck. That, that next year, uh, not the Barry Gregor, he's a... Uh, was a super heavyweight too. He was the assistant coach and in an exhibition game, I think I fought, fuck, I fought everybody. Like, I fought Varhog there. He was in, or who was in Fort Myers? Six, oh, seven, fuck, how was it fought, fighting was... Varhog, man? Oh, fuck, what do you think? Man, it's like chopping down a tree. <laughs> I didn't know whether to, trying to grab a skate. I couldn't fit my hands around a skate. No, it was right off the draw, too. He put me open. I think he did. But I fought, uh, I mean, it was a good tilt. It's just, it's tough when you're fighting guys that big. I always, uh, I like to go to the body a little bit, try and chop it down because the head will fall. But it was a good, I mean, I was doing anything to stay there. And um, they had that trickle-down effect, and I was getting bumped out again. So now I'm done. Uh, I'm like, okay, now I'm really done. Well, here's a here's a funny story. So back in the Central League, Jerome Bouchard was playing. I was playing Dougie Mann. Like, I hadn't played against Wilson uh, yet. I think he was – I don't know if he was – playing in differently. It might have been Birmingham or he was doing the paramedic thing. Can't remember. But we played a game against Macon and Graham Townsend, he played in the show. He was a a scrapper too. Big black guy. If you look him up, you 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 probably know him. He was a big heavyweight. Um but he was the coach of Macon. And he had a guy uh they had a tough team too, Sean Pete. He was in my wedding party. He works for NASCAR now. Um, and Mike Payne, those two guys are like really close with me now. Payne or South Boston, redhead, scrapper. Macon had a tough team. And we got in a, a dust-up right by the bench. Where Counter was trying to, uh, Graham Townsend was trying to get uh, Garber, you know, it was kind of going in between the glass. And then shit was kind of, cause you know, the benches were right beside each other and then they were trying to get at each other. I, I'm on the ice and fuck, it gets crazy. Like shit starts going nuts. And, and Graham Townsend, somebody that you don't want to start throwing punches, especially if he's just got a suit on, there's nothing to grab onto. Well, that big man comes off the bench, uh, like not off the bench under the ice, but steps down from where the coach is standing. He's getting down into it. 
and it just so happened and I didn't do it on purpose and he's proud if he does listen he'll laugh at this but I did not try to hit him I took my stick because I went in because this is in front of the making bench so I went in to help the guys the guys are getting suckered so I take my stick and I'm trying to fucking I just came over the top and it hit fucking Towner in the head oh. I didn't know yeah, I didn't know. So this goes back now into we all get kicked out. This is going underneath the stands now. Cops are there and trying to split everybody up. So long story short, when I get released from, you know, fast forward, I get released from Columbus and the coast. Counter takes the job in Greensboro on the East Coast League. And he says, I when they waved me, I said, you if you're putting me on waivers, I, you could put, I won't report because I'm not gone. So you can put, a, I'm on waivers, but he's not going to report. So don't even bother with him. Well, I was in Columbus, Georgia, Whisperwood Apartments, uh, staying with my, uh, well, my wife now and her, her family. And the phone rings and I pick it up and it's Graham Townsend. And he goes, there's Tony. Yeah, I just picked you up off waivers. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I didn't say that. That's what I'm thinking. I said, oh, I'm not. I said, I yeah, I don't care. I know I said you went report, but I picked you up. You're coming anyway. We, we're, we're coming through town. We'll pick you up. I'm like, okay. That's how I got to fucking Greensboro. And then talk about they picked me up on the bus. So I walk onto the bus, don't know a soul. And, uh, you're looking for an empty seat. And I sit down. It was a road game. And Towner's at the front. And Graham says, uh, hey, everybody, this is uh, Stalzy, Craig Stalzy. And so, you know, I'm walking back, shaking hands or whatever. And I sit down and get the awkwardness over. And then I know a few guys on the team or whatever. And it's quiet. We start going down the road. And, and Graham looks back and says, hey, Stalzy. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget, I haven't forgot about the time you fucking kabonked me over the head with a stick either. Charles <laughs> looked at me and I'm like, honestly, I didn't do it. <laughs> but it broke the ice, man. And that, we had Sean Pete on the team. He brought Sean Pete to uh, uh, Greensboro. That's who I was well, going to ask you about him because he follows the account on Twitter. Oh, fuck. He's awesome, man. You got to get him on. He does like. He's a motivational speaker now. He he runs. He works for like, I think he oversees like five teams in NASCAR. He speaks in, he speaks for pro teams. Like he'll they'll fly him in to talk. He's um, he's in my wedding party as well. Um, he's an unbelievable guy. He's a smart dude, but he can throw him too. But he was on the team, so we go into I can't remember where he. It might have been Rick. No, it wasn't Richmond. He he would be able to tell you, but Ryan Flynn, I don't, I, he was a he played. He was a tough guy. Uh, I think he played in L.A. as a scrapper. Yes, he did. Yeah, Chris Flynn or Ryan Flynn. Ryan Flynn. Yeah. Okay. So first game, right? <clears throat> I'm like, I always would do it. I'm like, you got to make a name. You got to prove yourself. You got to. To me, that's like anything in life. You. You want to show appreciation, like, hey, I'm here. 
I'm here for you. I'm going to do my job. I'll, I'll like, go to the wall for you type thing, right? got to earn your stripes. So I don't know why the fuck I went after Flynn. But the puck went, because he's the biggest guy on the ice. Uh, puck went in the corner. I was running around a bit anyway. I fucking jumped and ran him. It was an icing call, and it kind of delayed a little bit, and I ran him anyway. Because I knew he, that he would, you know, answer the bell to that. And I hit him, tried to feel it, and he gave me a shot in the back. I turned around and speared him, and all the gloves are off. Petey's on the ice with me. This is my first game with the team. Petey was the other scrapper on the team, I believe, that year. And, uh, Flynn grabs me, we start fighting. And um, it, it turned, I guess it, it was, it ended up being kind of a mini line brawl. But I'm fighting. And then, you know, if you're ever knocked out, it's like a flash. Boom. And then you're awake again, but you're in a different, different position. This time I was on my back. And I look up. And I'm like, holy fuck. And kind of roll the guy over. I don't know. You know, it was Flynn. What had happened is I went after I speared. Flynn drops gloves with me. We start fighting. And Petey, a good buddy. I mean, because Flynn's a freaking monster, right? And I'm trying to chop the freak. I'm trying to chop the tree down. I think I'm doing all right, man. Like I was, I think. And then that flash, and if you watched it, well, it's not on tape, but, like, we used to have VHS tape. I watched it on video. Petey comes up behind Flinner, and I mean, like, a flying, he had a jump, but, and Petey's a big fucking boy. Like, he's like a Greek god, that guy. He jumps and fucking kind of, I don't know if it's a flying elbow or a punch to the back of the head to Flinner. Well, you know what Flynn's head does? This comes directly down and smashes me in the face. That was my flash <laughs> knockdown. So when Petey fucking dummied him, it hit me in the face and I went down. Petey got suspended for 20-some games for that. Oh, shit. You, you could probably read about that story. And then the team wouldn't pay for his, uh, wouldn't pay for his fine. So he had to come out of pocket to the East Coast. But as a team, the owners or the man, the brass wouldn't pay. So as a team, we all chipped in and paid the, the fine for him. So Petey's like old school too. He told me that day, he said, hey, Stalin, I'm sorry. I'm not fighting for the fuck the rest of the year when I come back from the suspension. Never again will I fight for this team. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Thanks, man. Like, what about, so you're leaving me out to dry? I'm going to, like, <laughs> he's like, no, not doing it. And he didn't. And I love him for his word, but he was like, you know what? Okay, fucking team burns me, and they're not going to pay my fine. Then I'm not going to, uh, not going to scrap. I mean, I think he did a couple times after that, but, um, he, uh, it was a 20-some game suspension they handed on him for that. Holy fuck. 
And it wasn't that bad. Like, but back then, if you get 20 game suspension in the coast, it, it maybe it was pretty bad. I mean, I, I don't know, yeah, but I mean, I, I know it knocked me be. out. I know <laughs> yeah. it knocked, knocked me fucking silly. You got some collateral like, damage. Hey, you're a, yeah, I thought you were my team. No, it was pretty funny. But, <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's a, he's a class act. He's a class act, that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you actually end up in New Mexico with the Scorpions out in the CHL. Um, you know, how did that kind of happen? Because that was after your stint with uh, Columbus and Greensboro. Uh, so the second year, I was uh, like, I was actually making good money in the coast. I had a good year that year. And they, um, who the hell was the coach? Aduno, I think. I think they had a new coach. We went through like, I never got traded that year. Maybe but you know, game stats will usually have, and the old boys will know, I don't know if they do this anymore, but you'll have like transactions or you have a stapled sheet of like every kind of stat in the world. By the end of the year in Greensboro that, that year, it was like reading a novel because of all the transactions. Cause it was just a revolving door. I felt bad for, uh, Graham, uh, Towner, uh, he got let go, and which it wasn't a fault of his own. Um, and then Alex Godinia came to the NHL defense, and he came in and took over, and um, you know just tried to finish out finish out the year. So I, I knew it wasn't a it, it wasn't a you know with that many transactions, I knew it was going to be a revolving door. And they wanted me to stay the following year, and they actually offered me better money than I went to um, New Mexico. But Dunner um, was down there, and Travis Van Tegum, who um, I played with in Austin, he was the assistant coach. And they got uh, Pete uh, to come to uh, New Mexico, and we also got Mike Payne um, to come and the, the headline in the paper when I decided to go was uh, Stalin Payne he sent it to me it says something like Stalin Payne headed out west to lay down the law with a picture of us in there and because Payne, Painter I mean that guy's uh, he's a legend he's just a South Boston type of nuts and bolts and and uh but like both of those boys, you know, big hearts and, and uh, great guys. But we, we went out there and uh, had a unbelievable, unbelievable time out there as well, man. Probably one of the more favorite places I played that uh, New Mexico. Yeah, but it sure. was, it was tough playing there. You know, it was another rodeo barn, man. <laughs> I guess I never get too far from home. I'm always playing in a, yeah, for but sure. they had actually, they had. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. It all kind of runs together. But there was a lot of tough guys that I went through in that league as well. Yeah, what I was going to ask and you about, and he went on to play in the LNH, was a uh, old Neil Pasilico, and you fought him that year. Oh my God! Yeah, is that where? He, is he still playing? He was young. No, he was. I don't think he's Neil still playing Pasilico. now. Yeah, but he, yeah, Neil Pasilico. 
Yeah, no, I was, that kid was 19. He played in Amarillo. And I got a shit memory. And if I remember him, he was like 250 pounds or something. 6'2", oh. Italian guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's from like New York or New Jersey or something. I don't know. Okay. I remember that, though. Because we were playing in Amarillo and that David Rattray, who's a great I mean, I can't say really a bad thing about a lot of uh, like a, a lot of guys that that do that job because most of them are just salt of the earth, man. Like, but this Basilico, he he was sitting on the red line and he's kind of hard to miss. Um, but just you know, he's looking for one, right? So I couldn't even like warm up because I escaped. I just thought, like, "You want to go right?" I'm like, "Who the fuck are you? Like, who is it? What?" And then, or ask PD or. I mean, there was a list you could have ran through. Um, there were some hidden tough guys on on that New Mexico team too, but of course I took it, uh, and. They were called the Amarillo Gorillas, I think, at that time. Because that's where he played, if I'm not mistaken, when yeah, I fought yep, him. it was Amarillo. Okay. Dude, he, he didn't. I mean, he probably, I never, I, like, I don't watch. Um, I, I, I don't watch any, like, uh, other guys' fights anymore, like, anything, so... After I was done, you know, I never really followed unless I was playing against them, you know, just kind of see how they fight. But once they were out, you know, you just kind of move on. So I, I, I don't know if he actually learned how to use his. I, I think um, I caught him when he was a kid, like 19, and he was playing at, at that size. So I don't – he didn't really – uh, throw a lot, but I don't think my feet touched the ice. Like I actually felt like <laughs> I got freaking abused by a gorilla because I remember going to the penalty box, like what the hell just happened? Because I don't think, I think he picked me up, set me down, put me over the boards, bring me back over the boards, lift me up in the air, throw me in the ice, pick me back up. I'm trying to throw, you know, I'm throwing, but that guy was a strong <laughs> A strong bastard, man. That's why I was like, what the fuck just happened? Somebody else got to fight this guy. <laughs> I don't think he hit me too much, but I don't know how he did in uh, the like uh, the senior league up there, but he pro I'm sure he probably fared pretty well. I can't believe he uh, went up. How long did he play up there for? Well, he'd fit right in there. He's uh, a I want to say he played two years there. Yeah, he only played two years there, but I mean, one year he managed 333 penalty minutes, so you know yeah, what he was doing he, up there. He learned some, yeah, <laughs> 100%. So I was lucky. I just was starting to break him in and letting him learn, you know, and he, he couldn't. But, yeah, that kid was picking me up and putting me down. You know who in New Mexico, probably one of the toughest guys I, well, no, I'm talking like, shit, I thought, like, well, it was the home opener 
in Columbus, and, and we had Billy McDonald. He coached in uh, assistant coach Dallas for Hitch, um, and his son Walker McDonald, who was a hell of a hockey player, tough guy too. He played in New Mexico at the same time. But when Dunner left, Dunner went back to Corpus, I think, which I hated because Dunner was an unbelievable coach, but so was Billy Mack. He was just different. You know, everybody's got the different ways of coaching. But we were playing Colorado, and they were the new team in the league. Colorado Eagles were the new team in the league. But they were throwing money around. And my buddy Riley, who got his jersey retired there, he was telling me what they were throwing around there. So Brett Thompson... He actually, I think he, uh, if not mistaken, he won a Stanley Cup with Gretzky in L.A. Or, did, no, not in L.A., but won, won something. He played in the show for a long time. This was the, and then played in Hershey. He was a captain in Hershey, I think. And No. Yeah, he played anyways. He played all over. You look If you don't know, you probably do, but look him up. He This was his first year playing i guess they i mean they were throwing money around he had a fucking two at the time two hundred fifty thousand dollar house like they set him up greg pankowitz was there tobler who i was like in detroit played junior with they had their team was ridiculous um philippic who was a little fucking I would say a little heavyweight that could scrap. Oh, and he's they got like two of like the most uh, famous knockouts I've ever seen. If you've ever, uh, don't know if you've seen the fights, but with the, uh, who does he fight? Um, one is like Grand Durrell. He fights and just lights out. And uh, the other one was like, uh, who was it? Oh, fuck. Jean Bourbeau is what it was. And I mean, I can't remember which one it was. He one punched one guy, and then the other one, he's sitting there, and the other guy's throwing and throwing and. Flipping just keeps ducking and like just ducking, 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 and it looks like a boxing match the way he's like ducking down. I've like I've never seen Dude, a hockey player yeah. go that low, and then he comes up right hook, bang, right on the button, fights over. It was insane. Yeah, like a little mini Domi man, like like a Tasmanian devil and, and tough as nails. But Brett Thompson played hockey the way, and he was the player assistant or captain or something but he played hot he played hockey the way the old school way like if you beat a guy wide and you and like when i go wide i'm expecting to get fucking chopped on the wrist i'm expecting if you're going to the blue paint if you're going to the fucking crease you gotta pay the price if you're standing in front of the net i expected cross checks Beer, the way it, the way it should be played. If you got to earn your, if you want to stand here, you got to earn. So every time I went by Thompson, it's fucking whack, 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 whack. But some guys would do that because they're trying to get your attention to scrap, right? So in the mindset, but this guy is still thinking show mentality, like higher level mentality, but he's just playing this game. If you're just in, in his vicinity, you're fucking paying the price. Hot, slash, whack, hack, cross check, whatever, right? So it comes down to the end of the game, and, and um, Macker puts me out there. He says, "Don't fight, uh, don't fight Thompson. Go stand in front of the net, but don't fight Thompson." This is a home opener. 
you're going to put me in front of the net. Then we're at home. I know I'm going to get fucking abused. I don't fight. Okay. So, I'm, of course, I didn't. I did fight. I didn't listen. But that, that uh, puck came in front of the net. It was a loose puck. And I kind of, it was still loose. So I jammed at it. And, of course, I knew it was coming. <sighs> fucking cross check in the chest. Fuck off. Kind of t- and I'm like, fuck you. You want to go? I said, fuck you. Man. I couldn't scare you in. I gave him a fucking spear. And I'm trying to look to the bench. Like, can I? And, uh, you know, things block out after that. So I just look over and we drop the gloves. It was an unbelievable scrap, man. But I spent the night in the fucking hospital that night <laughs> because I couldn't. They, I couldn't get my. Uh, they actually made. They made T-shirts after that of uh, Scorpion's Gladiator because someone got a picture of me coming off the edge with the fucking my nose on the side of my head. But the, my nose been broke, you know, so many times that on this on the right side nostril. I can't, it's, it's blocked out. I can only breathe through the one side. And for some reason, like I went home, this is minor. Hey, this is the minors in a notch. This is beautiful thing about the minors. So after the game, can't get my nose to stop bleeding. And I'm thinking, I'm fine. It's bleeding nose, whatever it's broke, whatever. Go home. Oh, my wife will kill me for saying this. It's just the beauty of the minors, man. So we'll go home and it won't stop bleeding. I'm sitting in the in the recliner, you know. I just want to have a drink. Probably shouldn't have because I was probably half concussed. But I'm like, ah, that was great. And it won't stop bleeding. So I actually go to the sink underneath or in the bathroom in the wife's house. I grab all those, you know, I grab tampons underneath the sink and I start <laughs> plugging them up, right? Plug up the nose. Let's clot it. Dude went through a whole box. Holy fuck. It's not stopping. <laughs> yeah. Not stopping. So I went to a hospital and they had to do surgery. They had to fucking drill, carterize and drill a freaking hole, which covered back up. Um, but yeah, after that, that's, those are the things like after that, you kind of earn a strike. You show that, Hey, you're there, you're there for the right reasons. And then, and then your peers, the people you look up to or, or your vets or you go to different places. I never, do you think I never had a problem with Tom Rastad? I don't know if he knows I was in, uh, in the, uh, hospital or not, but like after that, it was just business as usual. We, it was there was a mutual respect, you know, it, it, and that's what I loved about the game. You just, all you gotta do is show up. Well, what's what's the worst that's gonna happen? That's what I always just think. Oh fuck! So I get knocked out or what? I get a broken knuckle, knock a tooth out. Fuck! That shit heals, man. Like you, you got a job to do. If you want to be somewhere. The only person that's going to freaking stop you from getting to where you want to be is yourself and, and, and you quit. Right. So, uh, I just, I've always tried to be a, 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 a good team guy and there's all the guys that you interview. It's, it's, 
all cut from the same cloth, man, deep down. You know, people just go about it in a different way. But they're all just, uh, it's, they're loyal, you know, and I, uh, and I love it. I love it. I love listening to it. It's a, good, it's a good thing. But, yeah, that guy. And then I think the next year, you know, he went, they won the whole thing, I think, that year. And then the next year, he went back up to the American League. And that's, he was the captain of Hershey, I think. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. Thompson. Yeah, that was pretty wild, man. That guy was the real deal. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, the next year, man, you actually end up in Columbus again. um, And you're, you're here to stay this time because then you'll you'll end up finishing off your career there, but you get there mm-hmm. and you have a couple teammates and of course you got Dougie Man out there again uh, and you know just had him on the podcast. What was it like playing with Dougie Man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dougie, Dougie and Willie, those two are like uh, they're classic. You could write, honestly, you could write a book about just those two guys. They came from the same, like, same area, you know, Rexdale, tough boys, and, you know, Dougie, Dougie's fucking just tough as nails, but he's so hard on himself, you know, and we were the same, like, um, he, he, he was, him and Willie, like, Jesus, you go for a beer. If those, if Dougie ever came to town, they went out for a beer. I guarantee you, they're punching each other in the face, like at least <laughs> two or three times. I'm like, guys, I've been with them. I'm like, guys, come on, we're we're supposed to be chilling, having a beer. Why do you guys got start punching each other in the face right now? So that's just the way they are. They're they're unbelievable. Both got big hearts, but Dougie, we used to fucking just shake our heads, like because. We had some tough boys on the team, but me and Dougie always seemed, you know, we'd show up. We would always show up. And I can tell you a million stories about Dougie. I mean, he was my roommate, put it that way, on the road. So we had some um, some fun times. Like, here's a story about Dougie, and he'll appreciate it because I'm not suing them in any way but Memphis we used to hate fucking going to Memphis because you had uh, Martin you had uh, Holiday Lakovic Banano I mean uh, they, they had a ridiculously tough team right so you were always going to show up you knew you were in for a long night when you went there regardless of who was in the lineup Memphis always had a crew. Dougie used to fucking hate it. But there was also a casino around there somewhere. Dougie likes to gamble, so does Tom. Um, but I don't remember if this was in Oak City or, or Memphis. He would. I don't know if he told you this. Did he tell you this? I don't believe so. Okay, so listen to this. He, Dougie went missing for like three days, my roommate. Well, maybe not three. That might be an exaggeration. Maybe two. You'll have to ask him about it. But he went, when he gets gambling, it's not like it's party time. It's like him and Tom, it's serious. They're, they're gambling and they're there. He won't sleep, but then get on the ice and they'll fight whoever. Um, 
did that and and uh i can't remember if he missed the bus or was late for the bus but he showed up and and um all of a sudden his line color was uh that with he was the same color as the goalies so it's basically saying that you're fucked you got caught then another time we were in oak city and we went out and i don't know where the hell we went but i came home to come to my room and uh my door's locked i'm locked out of my room they put the dougie put the little flip over thing in the hotel room i couldn't fucking get in so I call a front desk. We had a game the next day. I call a front desk. I'm like, hey, I can't get in my room. They come up. I got security up there. I'm like, hey, you know what? Just give me a cot. So I went to Nelly's room, slept in the cot. We get up to go to pregame skate in the morning, catch the bus. Well, actually, I think you could walk across the street uh, in Oak City. I can't remember. But anyways, we're in the room, and everybody's like, where's Dougie? I'm like, somebody's got a freaking call Dougie. Couldn't get him. Called him that morning from the hotel room. Couldn't get him. No, Dougie just goes in when he when he's had enough or he's had a couple cold ones. He gets tired. He goes and shuts the room, locks her up, locks me out. I'm like, Dougie, fucking lock me out. Oh, thanks a lot. What roommate you are? You leave you. I'm like, leave you? I never slept in your room last night, bro. You locked me out. You didn't hear us banging on the door, like calling the room? No? Fuck, that's just the way he was. But he would <laughs> show up. No matter how bad it was, like, or the guys we were playing, he, he would just be like, fuck, we got to answer the bell every time. And he could chuck them, too. Yeah, you could you could uh, write a book about But Columbus always usually had, you know, we had tough teams uh, there. You know, Carlisle Lewis is another, he's a, he's a, well, he's not a sleeper, but he's a guy that is a scary man that played there as well. He was he was a high draft pick, I think, from New Jersey too. I think he oh he played in the American League. He was a freaking. Uh, I never got to play with him, but he still lives there. We were we became good buddies. He's got a wife now up there, and, um, but he was another tough cookie. There's a lot of a lot of tough ones that came out of there. Um, so yeah, honestly, when I sit back, like you bringing some stuff up that it's just making me think it's like walking down memory lane because I could, uh, it brings a smile to my face to think about the shit that happened back then, you know, oh, that absolutely. doesn't happen anymore. Right. You just um, don't see it. Um, you know, nope. and a, a guy you fought, I had him on the podcast and I know he listens to the show and he'll definitely be listening to this, but, um, was old Mike DeGurse Goose. What was it like fighting Goose? Mm. How do you think? <laughs> fighting Goose. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I honestly, again, uh, him, you're talking Hensville now, and he pretty much, well, pretty much ran the team, I think, pretty much. You know, him and uh, Gibby was the coach there. And on the ice, yeah, you know, I loved playing in Huntsville, actually. I loved going to Huntsville and playing the game. The crowds were always fucking rocking. You knew you were in for it. And, you know, with, with, with Goose, he fought. Fuck. 
I mean, it didn't matter. Man, he was he was capped me. He always had good points. You know, he's good leader. He he didn't chirp either. But when I fought him, he I had just got back, so we were playing in Jacksonville, and uh, um, I went to the net. I had to watch this on tape actually, but I was going to the net and a, a rebounder popped out and I kind of dove for the puck cause it was a, Oh, it was like a, a layup goal. I just had to tap it in. And this, uh, they had two Rocheforts on, in Jacksonville at the time, an old Rochefort. I don't know if, uh, forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong. I think he's friend, played in the show with old defenseman, but he actually son was playing on the team as well, which is crazy. But this was a big lumberjack of a man, and, and, and he was falling. I guess he was coming in front of the net to, like, you know, that kind of kerfuffle happens in front of the net. Well, he was trying to stop me from putting it in, and he got hung up on a goalie's pad or something, and he was falling down, and his back leg uh, came up and hit me in the eye. And I don't remember much, um, but I ended up with like, I don't know, 50, it was like I, 52 stitches over my eye, crushed my sinus, broke my, broke my cheekbone again. You know, it's it, the back of a skate. I'm surprised. I thought I was blind, really, because it took about um, a month. It, my wife would be able to tell you because she had to live it. So did my uh, my in-laws. Um, but the whole side of my face, my eye didn't open. We didn't know if I was going to be able to see. It was about a month before I seen white, and that's when I knew it was just starting to open up. But it was a horrible fucking injury, and I had to get it cut open a few more times, you know, to drain the clots that were happening. And I'm still numb on that. You know, I sound like cousin Eddie from fucking lampoons vacation <laughs> with the plate in the head. But Every time you turn the microwave yeah, on, you piss yeah, your pants and forget who you are for a couple on, hours. <laughs> yep. Fuck. Happens every morning. Don't. Yeah. That's why we don't have a microwave in the house. No, but really it is, it's just nerve damage, right? And it messed up my vision a little bit, but nothing crazy. So it was time to come back and play. And, and this was before, I don't even know if I'm sure it's mandatory. Is it, are half visors mandatory in minor pro now I or no? I think so. I mean, I'm pretty, fuck, I mean, they're pretty much mandatory in the NHL now. Um, unless, yeah. you, unless you get grandfathered in or you have to play a certain amount of games before you can decide whether you want to wear it or not. So um, I would assume so. Oh, no so. way, really? I, I'm almost positive, oh, yeah, okay. after after something. I forget what it was, but uh, yeah, I'm almost positive you got to have the, at least in the NHL, you got to have the half shield for a certain amount of games before you can take it off. Um, but I think definitely down in the, um, the minor pros, they're mandatory. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I hated the visor, you know? So, um, I, I had a visor on when I came back and we were going to Huntsville and I wanted to play. And we said, can you go tonight? I'm like, yeah, I can go. 
All right, you're not fucking fighting. Said, no, I'm not. I won't. Well, Goose could change the... He could change the game. Luke Phillips. Like, I mean, they had... I mean, I'm probably missing a bunch of guys uh, on on that team. Uh, Psycho Sicard, he played for him later on too. There, yeah, you're you're in my notes over uh, here. I was going to ask you about Luke Phillips and Dennis Sicard. Oh fuck, man! Bring him there. Give me, gonna give me uh, bad dreams, man. <laughs> I don't want to see that. No, no, I love those guys. They're awesome. But that so. Goose did something to, to get his team going. Like, that's what you do. You know, you're down a goal. You need a spark, right? So you're going to try and get under or piss off. But he came to the bench. Or no, no, I went to the bench. He did something. Can't remember what he did. But Beast is like, hey, you know, we need to send a message or something. Didn't tell me. But basically saying, you guys, fuck, you know, we're not getting I think I hopped the boards and it was like a, a timeout type thing or media timeout or whatever, something. And I went in front of their bench and he, I can't remember what we said or what I said. And I said, man, yeah, let's go. Come on. He's like, oh, you won't fight, whatever. Cause I had my visor on. I was back. My eye was still fucking fresh. So next shift, fucking spun the bucket took I said I'll fucking take this off and I took it off we squared off I think he pumped me with a he's quick right he, he he'll he'll come in quick and and he can he can throw both I think he caught me with one and this is what I love because yeah, this is the way I fucking played and I wish more people would be like that yup pop I went down Okay, I, I, I don't know. He caught me. Like, it was, it didn't knock me. It was just like surprise. Boom, you lose your balance. I go down. Okay, he could have fucking punched me to the top of the head. He could have uppercutted me. He could have raised the roof. No. He knew, caught me with one, but he knew that I just lost my footing and let me get back up. And that's what I, that's what's fucking I love about hockey, man. Because it's a code. It's like, you know what? I fucking caught you. Come back up. Let's fight. And and we, we I think it, we did. We fought. It was a, it was a long one. Like, I try and time up. You know, I'm kind of a chess, chess match player. I pick my punches. I go low, go high, left, right, whatever I can do to survive, right? But, he fucking let me, like, he caught me, and I was falling down, and I thought, fuck, if this is over, because the refs will jump right in there. But the, we were older at the time, and they let, they, you know, um, the refs, you know, I got a great relationship with most of the refs. So they would let us up, because they would ask, are you done? No, 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 no. So let me get my fucking feet back, and went at it, but yeah. Uh, much respect to that guy because he fought fought for a long time too. So, yeah, it was good. He fought every tough guy that came through fucking Columbus, man, from uh, all the years he was there. No matter who was next up on the chopping block, he never turned it down. And, oh, absolutely. And, uh, nothing but respect for him, man. Nothing but respect for him. For Any sure. of those guys that, that's got, yeah. 
Um, another guy you fought while you were in Columbus, and I got to ask you about him, was uh, old Tim Hockley, and you fought him. Um, you know, how was it fighting him? Uh, Hockley's a he's a good guy. He's more of a uh, he's one of those love to hate guys that keep me sick. Um, Morsey, like the Morris brothers, or Daryl Morris, like that, like get fuck. He just knew how to get under your skin, knew what to do to piss you off, and maybe he would fight, maybe he wouldn't. He'd smirk at you, he'd grin at you, and uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I loved. Uh, I'll tell him he knew it. We ended up because um, he ended up coming to Columbus. And living there, and we ended up uh, doing construction together, <laughs> actually working together in business for uh, a little while before he moved on. But me and him were swinging a hammer together after that. But he um, he's a fucking great guy. Like, and he was, he was big, but he'd like to just, you know, he could fucking knew not how to get hit. You had to wait for your chance to open him up, but he's a, he was a, he was always a gamer. Everybody wanted to um, go after him, try and get a little piece of him, but he, he knew his role as well. Like he could get under your skin. He could drop penalties. He'd fight. He wasn't, he didn't really care. You know, he liked to have a good time off the ice. Fuck. He was a good, he was a good, uh, good guy to party with. Um, but when we fought, it was, uh, it was a good tilt. I mean, it was in a bit of a line brawl, I think, because I played with, I played in a line with Ryan McCarthy and and, and Oregon Hergott. Like McCarthy was kind of a rat, awesome at it too. Do some funny shit, <laughs> a lot of funny stuff, and 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 Oren Hergott was like goal scorer so I like uh with with um Macker I think he started that whole melee in when I fought Hawks and I just grabbed Hockley out of the bunch because I knew he would he would fight instead of grabbing a fucking goal scorer and 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 start swinging you know you're just gonna pay for it the rest of the fucking year so if you're gonna fight I always tried to, no, check that. You can ask Willie. There's only one time that I did, well, one time really that I that I fought a goal scorer or, or, or I wouldn't usually fight. But Willie was on the fucking ice and he was in Macon. And he'll tell you this because he was on the far blue line. I remember this much. It was a draw on our, um, and this is again why I love the fucking game. And I never knew Willie yet, but the draw was in the uh, defensive zone, and Willie was on the point. And I always knew Willie was a, they call him the bomb for a reason, because he, he throws bombs. But I knew, and they had this, this little sentiment on this, and he was throwing cheap shots around and right off the draw he did something fucking like just stupid I can't I can't remember what I was and I fucking reacted 
and I dropped my gloves and I grabbed them and they fucking kid turtled. But did I hit? I didn't fucking hit them. I looked up at the far blue line because I thought Willie would be coming. But I looked up at him and he wasn't moving. And I put the hands up like, hey, man, can I hit him? Like, basically, like, are you giving me the okay? Because if he would have said, don't do it, that's the fucking code. I'm not going to do it. I might fucking ram his head in the ice to let him know you're fucking lucky. But it was the code. It was like, yep, no, he gave me the nut. So I drilled him a couple times, but I could have fucking hit him a lot more, but I didn't. But drilled him a lot. It's just send a message. Yeah, I was about to say, enough to send a message. Yes, and that's, that's, and respect is built that way. Okay. When we're on the ice, you know, just don't fuck around. Let the, let the scrapper scrap, goal scorer score. If you're going to do cheap shots, you're going to fucking pay the price. And the other guy's not going to, eh, yeah, Willie might fight me next shift. But at that time, hey, the kid had to learn. Like hit him a couple times and then, and then respect is, is, is something earned. It's not given, right? Like you earn your It was, uh, that's why I love the fucking game, man. And I miss that. I, I, I miss that today. For sure, man. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's lost in the game now, unfortunately. And, um, it is what it is. We, of course, I don't fucking watch it anymore. Um, I know a lot of people who don't, but uh, you know it is what it is. But luckily, we got yourself to reminisce on the old days, and you know, uh, kind of give people out there who may be younger listeners or just get into the game of hockey how the lay of the land used to be uh, back in the day. But uh, two more guys I'll ask you about that you fought while you were in Columbus. Uh, one being a guy who fought a lot when he was out. I think he played for Laval. Was Chad Richard? Um, you fought him, and I think he was playing in Jacksonville at the time. But uh, how was it fighting old Chad Richard? Shit, man, you're you're going back, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't even, uh, I don't even know. You know, he played in Jacksonville. I fought. Well, I fought uh, Richie. I probably, I can't remember how the fight. The only guy I remember fighting from Jacksonville, I can remember, was another Indian, uh, Bain. Uh, Fuck, he was tough. Chris, yeah, well, there was the other guy I was going to ask you about. It was old Chris Bain. <laughs> yeah, that was an Indian. That was that was a typical Indian, like in Indian Indians, where we, you know, we'll go easy on each other. We knew we had the fight. We kind of just kind of wrestled to each other to the ground. They're like, "Hey, man, you know, come on, we got to kind of stick together here, buddy. Make us look any uglier, are you? Oh no, no, they had kids." He was a gamer. You know who? You know want to know a tough fucking native kid is uh, was not only um, was Conrad McKay played for Charlotte. Now that's a loss. I, I mean, no, no disrespect to him. It's probably not lost. But he was kind of like a psycho card. Just, just that's the way he like that kid could freaking uh, throw. And so could that the tutu um, in the coast. Um, oh, uh, Terrence? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. The, the, the same thing. 
like he, you know, Chris Bessard was, was in Greensboro with me. And I used to say, I used to look at his hands faster because he was an unbelievable hockey player. Kind of like, like if guys out there know Kevin Collin, like there's some guys out there that are like a Lanka that are, are really good goal scorers, really like high hockey IQ and can, and can fucking fight. They might not throw a lot of punches, but they got like, I used to ask Brasser, like, man, you got diamonds? I used to diamond cutters. He used to call it knuckles because every time he fought, you know, he might be cutting somebody, kind of like a Lakovic, Greg Lakovic anyway. But uh, he cut, and it was something. But um, <clears throat> with Tutu, Brasser, I told Brasser, I'm like, Brasser, man, kids <laughs> can chuck them by your fight freaking and and sure shit he fought him and he starched Brasso like he was he was stiff I remember uh, Brasso was still sitting down and I never seen Brasso lose too many fights he was he was sitting down with his hand still clenched onto his jersey but he was out Tutu just it was like a fucking Brick, and I remember after he just looked at me and said, Man, you're kidding. I said, Fuck, I told you, okay. He's like, I don't even know where I'm at. And like Conrad McKay, Sicard, those two, two, those guys. I remember fighting Sicard the first time was when um, old slap shot there, Brof, God rest his soul. Um, he, uh, Brophy was coaching in Richmond, Vonimir. The, the boys played played for him there. They had a freaking tough team, man. But Sicard was there, if I'm not mistaken. Now, it could be because it, it all runs together. But I know Sicard, I think it was one of his first years, right? And I lined up at the, the draw. And, uh, you know, because Sicard's not that big, right? Well, he doesn't wear any fucking shoulder pads, which I finally well I figured out after and he's elbowing me off the drum and I'm like who the fuck is this <laughs> like what are you th- you want to go and I'm like oh and it's never good fighting somebody smaller than you because like everybody tells you it's gr- I always you 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 want to try and level up right fight somebody bigger because if you get knuckled you're supposed to fucking lose. If you fight the, go for the top, go for the toughest. If you lose, you're supposed to, if you win, man, you leveled up now. You know what I mean? They're like, it's a good way to, to stack up. So I was a little bit, it's the first time I played. I was a little bit kind of weary about it, but I thought, fuck, oh, it's Maybe he's trying to make a name or something like in the league or whatever. Drop the gloves and old psycho. He probably hit me fucking fourteen times before I knew I was in a fight. And then I'm like, holy shit, I just got a throw here. Boom, 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 boom. We ended up fighting a couple times, but what a great guy, man! Like he was just, he was always game, always game, always ready to go, man. But all those guys like that, those are the ones you got to watch, man. I'm telling you. And not the ones with, like, I think, I don't know who you had on. It was uh, Vandermeer, I think. 
or maybe not, you would know better that the ones with like right around 150 pims and kind of the, the sleepers that don't, those are the ones you, well, I'm not saying 500 minutes, I would do the same thing. You worry about those too, but the, there's those ones right around there that only fight once in a while, but they're still game. They're legit. They're like the quiet, tough guys. Fuck, man. Sicard was always, I've seen him and like Conrad McKay and like you're talking about Dan Wildfong, all these, 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 these guys I am just amazed at. And I haven't watched a lot of videos, but Mayran, he has a fight, and I should know the other guy's name, but the guy is huge, and I think it was in the American League, and maybe you can tell me, but holy fuck, that fight was ridiculous, Like, and that, that big guy who he fought, it was behind the net somewhere, you gotta look up. Well, you should probably know because this guy, the big guy's a legitimate heavyweight, but I can't remember who. Fuck, I'm trying to think because I know is. they fought a bunch of dudes. And well, if it was if it was Dean, it wouldn't have been the American League because he never played in the American League. He played in the. Uh... He did. No, I don't believe. I mean, I don't believe. So. Now you got me. Or maybe it was myself. in the queue or the Quebec. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was going to say it was probably more than likely it was the LNH. He was a tall, tall, big. Had to have been a defenseman. But that guy could throw. I've never seen a guy throw hammers like that. Well, it looked like and man just was fucking standing. I was like, holy shit! I actually showed a guy when I was swinging a hammer to that scrap. I said, "Look at this! Now look at this! Holy crap! I can't remember who it was, but the the, the smaller guys, and I'm not saying like." Mayran and Sicard and these Wildfong and, and McKay and Tutus, those guys are small by any means. But the nuts, they, they you know, they drag on the floor when they walk because they get, you know, you're putting, trying to put a dent in them and you can't do it. And they're coming back with more and smiling when they do it. But there's something about that thrill of the fight when you're in it. It it, it, it it fires you, it fuels you, and, and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you're sick to your stomach before it, so all you do is you think about it. Well, for me, anyway, I'm only speaking for myself, like, yeah, I, I could know the schedule, and I would know in two weeks from the Western League to NHL camp, when I was, you know, when I was in Detroit, in American League, I would always look, and you would just think, holy shit, man. Like, what the, f like, you're sick, but then once it happens and the gloves drop, it's, 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 it's like going on a freaking ride, man. It's just like, God. And after it's over, you got that adrenaline dump, and you're sitting in the penalty box, and you're like, oh, hey. Like that, it's it's awesome, man. I mean, my my hats go off to those guys that that you know the the warriors out there that that, that did that for a living, and and it's a dying breed. 
but it's a it's a closer I believe anyway. I mean I don't talk to anybody a lot but uh but it's a brotherhood out there that that you know even though they banged each other a few times and you know there's a lot of respect involved in that I think that for people to basically you know face your fears and 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 get in the sewer and you know you got a ton of people watching and uh the stage is set and you could be embarrassed at any moment and guys just jump in with both feet and say, Hey, let's rock and roll. You know, there's a lot to be said for that. And especially in the minors when you're getting paid shillings and putting your body on the line, it says a lot what you would do for, for your, you know, for your, for your family, for your brothers, you know? So, and then after when it's over and, uh, hang up the blades and then there's you know then it's time to get on with with life and these guys you know these guys should be there should be something out there for them for the amount of you know what they put their bodies through for so long and, and put their put it on the line for the guys on the ice so they could have the room that they have to skate you know oh 100 percent, so, man yeah it's it's uh it's pretty cool. I try, you know, I'm kind of a you know, you, you look back. I try not to 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 look back because it gets like you know you you think about it and you start to reminisce. And it's probably like you you know even with the, with the military, you, the brotherhood you talked about. Like you you think about you miss that right? Like you 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 miss your buddies or you miss that camaraderie or or that that's the thrill or we're going into the embracing the suck, you know, together. There's something to be said for that. And then when it, when it shut off, I think that's why guys have, have some like, you know, that uh, some issues later on, because it's like where, you know, that uh, you, you can't just shut that tap off. You can't, you, you, you just shut it off and then you're supposed to just, okay, well, now I'm going to go clean the pool or cut the lawn. You know, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> right. it, it, it's a, it's a very fucking tough transition, man. It, it, it really is. But I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the, for the world. I'd rather have that problem than, than not. But, I got a Sunday Sunday skate to look forward to every once in a while, so it's good still, but uh, it's a really tough transition and the guys that that have done that for so long, it just it's there's a lot to be said for that for their character, so my hats are off to all those all those knuckle draggers. A lot of them could, could play too. Absolutely. They just never got the chance. That 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 role just kind of comes comes to you. You know, you 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 like you like it. You'll do it. I think that's the deal, there, man. Is you'll do it. It's a it's a choice, and and if you 
if you, you know, for even, I guess, in, well, in my case, you know, um, my dad what, what was like, my dad and Lauxi, you know, when I was just breaking into the Western League, it was always like, hey, so you, you know, go, like, you can put the puck in the net, but if you're not putting the puck in the net, you got to do something to make yourself stand out if you want to stay. So, you know, that path was kind of created. It, it, I think it, it gets created, and, and you're just the guy that, that will do that. I'm like, yeah, well, sure, I'll fuck if you want to be somewhere, I'm going to do what it takes to stay there, you know? But <clears throat> it was fun. It was fun as hell. I, the, when I was in uh, actually in Detroit, we had a game. It was against, uh, I think it was my first, first or second year at camp or something. It was my first year, I think. And uh, I got hit from behind. We were playing, I think it was against, uh, it was in camp, I don't know, it was against Toronto or, or something. Anyways, it was in the Joe Lewis, and, and, you know, I was young, and I didn't realize where it was until, I don't think I was, you know, mature enough to, to realize, and that's probably why I had such a great camp. And honestly, Honestly, man, that's the the higher you get, the easier it is to play. You fucking, I could close my eyes and rip the puck across the ice, and fuck, they they they're they're in that position. It's on the tape. If as long as you're in your position, now if you're out of position, the magnifying glass. You can't come to the bench like you can in the minors and say, "Was that your guy or was that my guy?" No, you fucking in the show. <laughs> you were the guy he, it was totally you you know so, so I got hit from well I got hit it wasn't really from behind but I I was about five feet away from the board I should have known better but it's right in front of the bench and I'm like well fuck you gotta come up with your gloves off and I came up with my gloves off and I can't remember who it was big big boy and grabbed them and just started chucking. Man, I just started chucking. I'm like, fucking chucking and Joe Lewis. So I started chucking, and I'm getting hit. And they're coming down, you know, when you're fighting somebody bigger, the punch <laughs> kind of coming down before they start going up, the uppercut. And then they, I just went left, and I could, the, the punches are stopping on the other end. And then we go down, I go to the box in between periods and Darren McCurry wasn't playing and I'll never forget it, it comes to the dressing room oh it's hey thank you great fight hey man you got a chew and I'm thinking what the fuck yeah don't you make like a million bucks a year you, 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 you want a chew for me but I'm like oh shit yeah here you can have the can and then I'm trying to play it off like oh yeah I could have hit him a couple more times bro I totally <laughs> fluked out in that fight I, I just got, I had horseshoes up my ass that day, but it, it, those are the memories that you, you do remember and you'll, you'll, you'll learn like, 
forever is just show up because you never know what can happen, you know, and you can, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's a great ride to be on. Honestly, I just wish there was more things after I know you can't do it, but after the game, you know, life goes on, but it's, you know, it's stuff like this, like stuff like you're doing to keep all of us old dinosaurs in connection kind of without talking, you know, cause we, man, I, I, I live through those, your podcast and new podcast. Cause it just makes you smile when you're driving down the road, man. So it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm not on social media or anything like that, but your podcast keeps me connected with it. And I'm like, Oh shit. I remember that guy. Like 99% of the guys that you, you talk to and who they talk about, you find how small the hockey world is. And it just brings me a, a smile to my face that you're keeping, you're keeping that loop, you know, it's pretty cool, man. Absolutely. Cool. I pre- well, I appreciate you for listening and everything like that. And, um, you know, it's kind of the goal here is to keep the, uh, you know, keep, keep the stories going for the boys. Cause it's not talked about enough. And especially in today's age where everybody looks at that, like it's kind of like the dark ages of hockey or, you know, they want to just kind of shoot under the rug and kind of forget about it. But there's people out there and, you know, especially players like yourself and, uh, you, you know, you guys haven't had a chance to talk about it in forever, so it's you know it's cool to hear these stories, and these are stories that people have never heard before. And they, you know, I'm not saying that I'm you know the fucking greatest podcast out there or anything like that, but um, you know, if it wasn't for myself or like Fourth Line Voice, you wouldn't hear these guys' podcast or Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles. So I got some partners in crime definitely helping me, um, and you know, those are two guys I want to thank a lot, and you know, hopefully they're listening. Because um, they've really helped me with man, the podcast. Man, I got a tour with the other one. Coliseum new, Chronicles, you know? yeah, oh yeah. Go look up. Uh, it's the Coliseum right. Chronicles with Joe Lazito, and he um. So he's a big Islanders fan, and he interviews a lot of guys who came through like the Islanders farm clubs or like their the Islanders system. So he's in, like he just had one with Rob DeMaio, and he's had uh, uh Carrie Clark Fucking on there, other no guys. Way. Oh yeah, man, you got to tune in. Joe's awesome. Robbie DeMaio, now that. Now that's like another tough guy. Lankow fought him. You know that. <clears throat> Lanks fought him. He's from New York. I'm gonna look at uh, Coliseum Chronicles. Uh, whole well, you got the I, yeah, you got the I'm iPhone. Gonna... I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you the link after this, and we'll fucking. Uh, I'll I'll hook it up. I'll send you Joe's podcast. Oh yeah, cool man. Yeah, I like to listen to like to them all. Because I think, you know, you never know who you're going to... It's so nice, like, to hear, like, you know, you got Luke. I think I started off... Well, I don't know if I started off. I think it was... We had third man in, and then it went to Noof. Noof got his own, but fourth line voice, I remember. I think that... Did... did uh, The fourth line... It, was Luke on there, or I no, know he Luke, was on yours. Yeah, Luke was on mine. You talking about Luke? Uh, Luke Phillips, right? Yeah, yeah, Luke was on mine. Oh, okay, yeah, man, he was. Uh, that's another, you know, the guy. You know, people will say even about me or anybody else, but 
there's a there's a certain respect. I mean, I'm sure that if for every team you're gonna have maybe a couple assholes, but they're we always say, hey man, that's our asshole, so whatever. But like in between the guys that that don't don't scrap, and there's nothing wrong. Like God, you know, I think I'd rather be a fucking hundred goal man a year. Yeah, that'd be great. But there's a certain respect for each other when you're out there. For the most part, there's a certain respect when you're on the ice. If you know you do that job and you know you're willing to answer the bell, there's a lot of shit talk that happens. But when you're done the the shit talk, you know, at the end of the day, there's that respect in between. Like after, I don't remember, after a fight, um, off the top of my head that I can say I was pissed off after a fight. It was always, there was respect there. Hey, good tilt, man. Yeah, good job. Yeah, way to go. You know, it's it's just a, it's, it's nothing like happens like that in any other other sport. I think if it did and if they take it away, and I'm not saying it because I did it, I'm just saying if you take it away, that's why the sticks, like you were talking earlier about the college, about the masks and the, and the sticks are up around the, oh, fuck. If they didn't have the masks, do you think the sticks would be kept up that high? Like hockey's been going on for how for how long? I know the game has changed. It's gotten faster. The equipment's different. And it's evolution, right? Or like people just are gradually getting better, but if you still had the like the guys out there that that would keep the peace half the time half the time those guys don't even have to touch the ice just knowing that they're on that other bench you know you're going to have to answer a bell if you get out of line, right? So getting a slap in the back of the head from your dad, if you step out of line, you're going to pay the piper. Well, it keeps the peace in the game, I believe. It's, it's just a little bit like respect, accountability, accountability, you know? So, yeah, for sure. And it's I just, hope. It's just gone. I know. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't, honestly, I, I, I would watch, you know, I think – the playoffs were unbelievable. Um, I like to watch the playoffs, um, but other. I mean, I respect. I respect the game. Oh, uh, like I love the game, and 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 the the speed. How I I was in at the perfect time because fuck. The way how fast some of these kids are, like the way how good they are and how young they are, it's just it's crazy. But do you think, like I told you before, like the Wendell Clarks, the Scott Steve, do you think those guys even would have stepped on the ice? They would know they would be suspended the whole time. Oh yeah, like that. 100%. That, that, that yes, you can't. And you're telling me, okay, now tell me if I'm wrong, and, and I hope somebody that's listening would tell me if I'm wrong on this, but. It's simple, like, if, if, if I'm going to hit you and I'm on ice and you're skating towards me with your head down, now, I, even if I drop my shoulder, 
and I hit you clean, my momentum of my body, naturally, my arms are going to come after the hit because either I'm going to fall on my face or it's a collision, right? And they calling, like, these head hits now? Come on. Like, I'm not, I, I, and I know you got to protect with the whole concussion thing, and probably all of us got, uh, like, everything, but it's, it's, I just think it, it I think it's a little, it's just changed. I, I don't want to piss anybody off. I just think it's gone. I promise you anybody listening to this podcast is thinking probably the exact same thing as you, man. (laughs) Nobody listens to this for power plays. Yeah, I think it's gotten a little bit too... Guys, uh, you can take liberties now and you don't have to worry. Exactly. You can cruise around there, you know? Let the... If I had hair, you'd be letting the flow go on. Like, you'd flow at the back of the helm. (laughs) Like, you don't have to worry skiing out your head up high. Maybe an elbow here, spear there. Because, you know, you're like, well, shit, there's nobody on that other bench that's going to do anything. So let's let's walk on them. No one's going to hold me accountable, you know? Right, exactly. That's the way I think. Anyway, that's the way it's going. But I could be told, I mean, who am I? Uh, I mean, I, 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 they're up there playing in it, so they're, they're doing something right, but. I just, it pisses me off a little bit, but it's all good. I still, still enjoy the game. For sure. Um, well, man, there we have it. Fucking a three hours of content. Yeah. How many? Three. We went oh. for, we went for three. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even refill. Man, I had one and then I just got, I got shot and it's one o'clock and I got to go to work tomorrow. You do too, probably. No, I, no luckily, don't. I don't. I don't work weekends, thankfully. I was because I'm there was oh man, there was like almost three months where I didn't have a day off of work, and that about fucking killed me. Holy fuck, that shit. Sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro, that's what I'm doing. I'm gonna be turning But you know what? I'm thankful for it. Listen at the work, you know, so, exactly. But uh, it'll be a. Uh, be a good weekend anyway for sure um well man you know thanks for coming on and sharing some stories we got to hear some stories of some former guests on the podcast and uh you know some great fight stories and some terry ryan stories and uh just all around general fucking shenanigans and that's exactly what we're here for (laughs) yeah man i i really appreciate you having me on and uh you know uh thanks for doing what you do and, and and your service and uh there's um, a lot more out there, you know. The, the more people that you get, you know, they're gonna. Uh, there's a lot more uh, warriors out there that are that are hanging out that I know that um, you would love to talk to because it's uh, to get their stories out there. You know, those guys. It's it uh, makes us all happy, man. You know, you get to get to be able to. A lot of people don't understand. You don't. You don't talk to people about this, about this stuff. So when someone wants to shoot the shit and uh, talk about it, it's 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 nice, man. It's good. So I appreciate you having me on. 
Absolutely, man. And of course, you're right down the road, so we'll have to fucking grab a beer sometime and shoot the shit. Oh thing. yeah, buddy, and I'll help you. Yeah, I'll be good. I help you move when you gotta move because yeah, we're literally probably about ten minutes apart. I think. Right. Yeah, we're we're in the same zip code, so, so we know we're not some... far. <laughs> Fuck! I'll start sending smoke signals, man. Smoke <laughs> signal. You there know you direction. To I'll, bring right the, I'll bring the fire water for you. Yeah, right on. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, fucking A, man. Uh, you know, have yourself a good night. And, you know, thanks again for coming on. I can't thank you enough. You gotta fight. Okay, man. Thank you very much. Later, bud. Okay, buddy.